Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. You do that every week. Every week. And Rich Preach. I like you're different on apples. That's what a what a what a great fruit that you're just letting go by the wayside. What is your fascination with apples? They're fantastic. It's the fall. It's the apple season, man. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I'm Rich. He's Joe. Uh, we're able to play the intro on the uh, on the old flagship live these days. I, I didn't realize it was. I think it was last week or a couple weeks ago where people were like, oh, you know, I don't even know what the intro is anymore. I haven't heard the intro because I'm always listening live, and I'm like, what? I, I could just play that. It's not a problem. It's not that difficult to play. So there you go. It's now on the live stream. Less less for me to do now tomorrow morning when I have to edit the show. Don't even have to add the intro anymore. Time is money, Joe, as you know. So. Yes, that's a commonly used phrase. Yes. <laughs> right. That's in the time that I usually have to spend meticulously editing this show will now be saved by well playing the intro on the live stream. Saving yourself from felonies. Well, you know, hey. Man, were you nervous last week? <laughs> now, you're getting nervous again because you're afraid <laughs> I'm gonna force you to edit again. But I'm not gonna do that. Thank you. Thank you. I, I have a very busy day tomorrow, so don't do that. I'm not going to bring up specifics. You're very nervous, though, that I'm going to do that. Uh, but I'm just fucking with you. I'm not going to do it. But uh, those of you who heard the live flagship last week on the $10 tier know that Rich admitted to many felonies <laughs> and probably should be behind bars uh, right now. But that was uh, that was cleverly edited off the uh, on demand. I, I would argue not that clever, but that's all right. It was pretty bad. Pretty brutal. A pretty brutal uh, butcher job because Rich spent the rest of the night frantically texting me, uh, concerned about uh, whether he's going to end up in the clink. And uh, yeah, he he edited up that bad boy. Now listen, JL says something problematic. It goes out to the world. Rich says something that might get him thrown in jail. Of course, he spends hours making sure he edits that off. I have to tell you, and again, we won't get into the specifics because I know you're nervous over there. I think you would have been all right. I think you would have been all right. I, I don't truthfully, think... truthfully, it, it it was less of the it was less of the, the the felony part and more of the I listened back to it. It was part of that. It, part of it was like the yeah. ah, you know, just in case, like you know how people are. People are really weird yeah. and strange or whatever. But more, it was about I'm I'm, re- I'm listening back and I'm like. I'm just here talking like mad shit about these five-year-olds that I've never met before. Like, what am I doing on this show? This is the dumbest show ever. It's just Joe and I making fun of five-year-olds that, you know, yeah. I that live eight states away that I don't know. And I'm thinking, man, like, 
if this is the first time somebody listened to the flagship, they must think, what is wrong with these guys? They're weird. And, like, no doubt that no matter what they're going to listen to on the show, they're going to say, what the hell is wrong with these guys? What are they doing? Uh, that felt like a particularly weird segment where when it was done, I was like, I, I meant for it to sound more fun and jovial and kind of like, ha, 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 like, look at these fun kids and yada, yada, yada. And it came across like I was just, like, really upset about these children. I'm like, what am I doing? This is really weird. Really, really weird segment, so. Lost a lot of comedy gold, but the live listeners. Yeah, got and there was some there was some great stuff in it as well. But you know that's why you pay the ten bucks because you, you get. And we said that at the beginning when we started the live flagship, what a year and a half ago at this point, we said it was heart of the pandemic. So yes, yeah. so yeah, it might have been March, April, twenty twenty. I think somewhere around there. Uh, we we said, oh guys, you are going to get the uncut feed. You're you're going to get everything that we say every single week. You're going to get it. In the flesh, in the raw, it's going to be uncooked, uncut, uncensored, all this sort. Of... And I think we went a year and a half without ever really changing anything. Like, I don't think I ever edited anything off of it. I, I, I it's just we don't like people were always like, "Ooh, I can't wait to hear what they say." Really behind the you know, closed doors, and it's like the joke was that you know over the course of ten years, I don't know, we've edited like. I mean, we've probably edited less than 10 of the episodes. Like, we significantly edited less than 10 episodes over the course yeah. of the last 10 years. Like, and even then, it would, it would, it was usually like a, ah, it doesn't, it's probably not that big of a deal, but just in case, let's just maybe snipe. Yeah. But like, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's in the, it's in the, it's probably in the single digits, the amount of episodes we've actually gotten done with and said, ah, you know what? We should probably remove that part. And, and more because like we would reveal sources or something like that. Uh, and less so because we said something like horrific or anything like that. It, 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 it's never that. It's always just like, yeah, did we like kind of reveal who the person was? And you're like, yeah, I think we kind of did. It's like, okay, let's see if we can tighten that up a little bit. Yeah. Well, at any rate, um, you won't have the FBI knocking on your door <laughs> anytime soon. I do love this, though. I do love how you felt bad that you talked trash about a bunch of five-year-olds. But you left in me talking trash about my five-year-old. I guess, what would you call it, uh, second cousin via marriage or whatever, shooter? You left that in. Well, uh, because I how- I did think about that. I did think. I was thinking, oh, man, this is a weird segment. And then we kept keeping the yeah. we kept the shooter part in. And part of that was because it was like, ah, Joe said it, so who cares? Uh, and the other part of it was uh, I was also like, I, I mean, we really kind of – we put shooter over. Like, if I'm shooter, yeah. I'm thinking, you know, or if, if, you know, shooter's family listens – yeah. They might think like, hey, you know what, these guys are they think very highly of our, our child here. Like we we really said that shooter's like the next generation. Like buy stock in shooter now because that sh- that stock is gonna keep going up uh over we the years. Did. So. We, we did, but right after <laughs> You did insinuate that he was a, a potential school shooter or a school shooter right. in training, so Right, yeah. Right after we accused him of that. Then we put him over after that. Then we said he should grow up to be a true Texas Haas. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, but, right. But yeah. Yeah. But, he was Sam Houston in a that's why you pay for the live feed. You know, that's why. So, um, Rich, you kind of dipped out there. You okay Sorry, there was that? a, yeah, there was a, a dog uh, catastrophe. Uh, one of the dogs wanted to get up on the couch and was being very loud about it. So I had to, uh... you, you know, you, you overrate these dog, uh, <laughs> these dog issues. A couple weeks ago, you stopped because the, a dog wanted a treat or something, and you it was like this big emergency. Now a dog is simply jumping up on the couch. No, um, no. What was the what was the dog emergency last time? Oh, it was it was screaming, and I was like, "What the hell's going on?" And then I didn't realize that uh, the nurse was in her bed eating, and the dog was screaming that he wanted some of her food. So, 
But I just heard a dog yelp, like, really loudly in the corner. And I'm like, oh, what's going on here? And and he had been feeling sick the last few days or whatever. So I'm like, oh, God, here it is. And he's just in the bed screaming for food. So Every now and then, I'll hear a child in this house screech out in horror. And I don't even stop the show. I'm like, ah, <laughs> eh, their mother will deal with it, you know? Well, the only problem is the dog's mother will not deal with it. So that's, the, uh, uh, so, you know, she's snoring in the room, probably uh, high on the wacky tobacco. So I have to, uh, you know, mm. come in and, and, and set things straight, so. You know, I've seen this happen many times. You know, you, you 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 get you dabble with the devil's lettuce, and it never ends well. You know, you, you get a highly addictive substance, and uh, actually, I don't think it's addictive. At all, <laughs> it's it's, it's, well, yeah, I don't know if it truly is addictive in the sense. I think the high may you know be addictive, but I don't know if the actual yeah, itself is. Addictive. Yeah, and now she's just on the downward spiral. It's it's, it's, it's very know, sad. It's, it's 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 very sad. Yeah. You're going to be pulling her out of crack houses before long. <laughs> there's, no, you know? yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, she's going to be listening to trap music and, and, and looking for smack on the streets. <laughs> she's a, and... Apparently she's a druggie in 1994, so that's okay. <laughs> do druggies of 2021 still listen to trap music? And I think they do. I think Okay, I don't know. I think... I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely asking. I, I don't know. I, I, Rich, you just don't have your finger on the pulse the way I do. I think that's the problem here, you know? So... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I I worry about her. You tell her I worry about. Her. Don't okay, tell her I now because then she's gonna get on the show. No, she's not here yet. But if she if she comes home, I gotta uh, say, I... look, Joe's concerned. You're going down a bad path, and um, tell her my my advice would be uh, to just say no to drugs. That would mm-hmm. be my advice. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a phrase I learned as a young boy. Uh, that was very popular in in the culture at the time. And it really made a deep impression on me and the other youths of my day. Mm-hmm. So maybe it'll work on her. Yeah, nice, right? nice uh, uh, skillet of uh, scrambled eggs, you know, to let her know this is your this is your brain on drugs. So. Yeah, you know, I learned it from watching you, Dad. Right, another classic. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, um, so you, I, the kids don't watch like any. They watch like everything on streaming these days, right? Yeah. So they're not privy to any of these like PSAs because I feel like we were just inundated with PSAs in our youth. I, I was the crash test dummies. I was thinking about them the other day and like how many commercials there were for the crash test dummies and they made them into toys and stuff. You had to just say no to drugs. This is your brain on drugs. The, uh, yeah, you know, just so many PSAs. <laughs> and I don't think any of them worked. A lot of PSAs. Dare, the dare program that I had at my school. I don't know if you guys were, were a dare uh, region, but uh, we had Dare. I've, uh, I've I've seen the T-shirts. Yeah, that was more '90s. That would be more you. Yeah, I was gonna sure. say I wasn't sure if that was uh, that was '80s, but that was yeah. Dare was more. My brothers were always coming home with Dare paraphernalia. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they'd have some cop coming to the school to lecture them about barbiturates. Yes, oh, whatever, yeah. you know? <laughs> barbiturates, <laughs> quaaludes, and and, and whatnot. So. Always the weirdest drugs they would talk about. <laughs> right. Right? It's like. You know, like who's doing barbiturates? <laughs> right. You know? We're also like seven. It's like, our, okay, I just want to go home and play NBA Jam, man. Like, yeah. Like yeah. they were talking to us, like we were way too young to ever even consider. Like, I'm not even considering drugs at eight years old. Like, what are you talking about? Get out of here. Go home. Like, yeah, it would always be in health class. They would do it. Yeah, it would always be health class. Uh, we would get health class one. Uh like a uh, quarter one marking period of the year and the other three would be gym like is that how your health yeah plan? yeah, how yeah, yeah health exactly plan? yeah yeah so you'd have gym like three of the quarters and we called them marking periods what did you call your uh i don't know if i had a name for it 
Because once you get to college, it's semesters because it's split. Yeah, I guess we would just call them. Um... No, I guess mine was semesters. I guess semesters, quarters, something like that. Maybe I called them you quarters. Got f- how many? How many? Um, how many report cards did you get? Two. I only got two. Oh, so you had semesters. Yes. That, that was nice and easy. See, we were split into four. Ah, yikes. So we Four had, times to we, disappoint your parents. <laughs> yeah. So we called them marking periods. Uh, I guess they were technically quarters or whatever, but one of them would be health class. What are we, who cares? What are we doing? What is, <laughs> Let's talk about What it. is this show even? It's the dumbest show. This? I don't understand why anybody listens to this ever, but uh, there are people listening. Uh, so thank you for listening. Now you know how the uh, – now you know how the Edison, New Jersey Department of Education breaks up their uh, – Or how they did 30 years ago. We have no idea how they yeah. do it today. But. Right. That might not even be relevant information anymore. But, uh, yeah, so – But there you go. Uh, so you got that. So anyway, um, well, Edison, New Jersey, we're going to be talking about Ring of Honor later. It all it all wraps all together. Comes it's, it, it comes full circle for sure. But uh, we're not talking Inman, Ring of Honor right Inman now. Inman Sports Club, sir. The Inman Sports Club. That was the place? So, that was the place. I saw some of the best matches I ever saw live in the Inman Sports Club. That's See, in the biz, they call that a teaser mm-hmm. because that's a topic for later. We are going to get so, to ROH's final battle a, a yeah. little bit later. We're also going to get into the uh, New Japan World Tag League Best of the Super Junior Finals as well. We also, Joe, have Wrestle Kingdom lineups for Nights 1 and 2 of Wrestle Kingdom. Not Night 3 of Wrestle Kingdom yet, though, but uh, uh, some potential news on when that uh, will occur. We're going to talk about the Tokyo Sports Award. Uh, we are also going to get into Kevin Owens re-signing with uh, WWE. Uh, but what we do have to talk about, first and foremost, we've mentioned it. We teased it on the uh, Winter is Coming instant reaction, which, by the way, we are not going to review Win- Winter is Coming on this episode. There was no Thursday T reviews. We are not going to review Winter is Coming on this episode because that was done on Instant Reaction Live last night, immediately following Winter is Coming. So you can find that on Patreon.com uh, slash Voices of Wrestling. I can find that all on there. Also, flagshippatreon.com. I think I bought that guy, too. So I bought a few domains. So I'll try to sprinkle those in uh, throughout and make it a little bit easier. But uh, flagshippatreon.com, you can do that as well. But uh, that is Instant Reaction Live. You can listen to our recap of Winter is Coming as well as our exhaustive detail uh, into the Fast series where Joe uh, predicts the remaining nine Fast movies based off the last ten minutes of Fast Five. (laughs) uh, That's I wish I could say that was a joke, but that's exactly what happened. Uh, but let's talk about this AEW Winter is Coming's rating, though, because we can do that. We do get the ratings. They did come out. You mentioned at the at the tail end of the show, the Instant Reaction Live, that you had a, a number in mind. And if Winter is Coming didn't meet that number, that they're, Joe, heads are going to roll. Titles need to change. People need to get fired. That wasn't that dramatic. But what was the what was the number that you had in your mind? And, and, and maybe what now were the numbers for these Winter is Coming ratings as we kind of break these down and, and, and talk about the... Uh, the results, which I think are, are to me, a little shocking, a little uh, surprising. But uh, what was that number that you had in your mind? Today, as I've been saying for many weeks, I thought uh, the the line for success was a point .4. Yep, point .4 in the demo. Uh, that did yeah. not happen for <laughs> Winter is Coming. No. Uh, the December 15th episode uh, averaged 978,000 viewers, point .31 in the 18 to 49 demographic. And Joe, your, your number was 0.4, correct? 0.4. Yeah. yeah. 0.31 is less than 0.4, right? Well, 0.31 is actually lower than they have done for the entirety of the show since the West coast time shift. So, um, I know everybody likes to point to that, but this is the lowest number yet since the West coast time shift. So, 
any way you look at it, this is a disappointing number. There's there you can't spin it. It's a disappointing number. Now they were up in total viewers and they did 948,000 total viewers. So, you know, you can't call it an outright disaster. You know, if this show did 800,000 viewers or something like that and a point three one, well, that's an outright disaster. But clearly the match, the Hangman uh, American Dragon match was uh, uh, some type of draw because they did grow their overall viewership last night. But the demo number, uh, which is the one that matters more, is is it's just it, it was incredibly disappointing it, it was it, real it, bad yeah 18 to 49 number the lowest uh for a wednesday night episode of dynamite since may and that was during the nba playoffs yeah. they went up uh, against uh so that obviously excludes any episodes on you know fridays and saturdays or any of the weird ones like that but yeah the lowest for a wednesday night episode of dynamite since may which i mean you you can't there's no way to chalk that up as a success. That's, you know, this is a big-time match, big-time title match. Brian Danielson, Hangman Page, and, yeah, the lowest for a Wednesday uh, since May. Uh, and as you said, their overall viewership did increase, uh, but largely in the 50-plus demo. And, and we know, you know, smart wrestling fans, people that listen to this show, know that, you know, in the room, yeah, that's, you know, hey, cool, all right, yeah, that's awesome. But they want that 18-49. to 49. That, that is the more important part. Uh, and that dropped uh, 6.5% uh, week over week, which is uh, definitely not... Um, no, not good. You, you don't want That's that number. Yeah. number. And and there's no spin, and none of the excuses are going to fly with me. Uh, you can talk about Survivor season finale, Challenge season finale, Mass Singer, NBA games, um, uh, Real Housewives. Look, it was a competitive night. I get it. But here's the thing. Everything I just named was up. So it's like all of these things were going up against each other. Everything has competition. And <laughs> the loser here was Dynamite in terms of the demo. So, I mean, um, you know, there's a reason that they stacked this particular show because they knew the competition would be tough and uh, they were trying to pop a number and they didn't do so. Now, if they would have done a .35 or a .36 or something, I still think it would have been disappointing. I think it was .4 or bust for a match and a show of that magnitude. But – you know, you're like, eh, at least that's in line and actually up from the last few weeks so you can live with it. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah, be, be, the lowest, yeah, there, there's a lot of numbers that, like, yeah, you said the point four, But again, if it's point three six, if it's point three seven, it's like, all right, you know what? They didn't get point four. They were cl- the lowest since May. No, I mean, you just that's no, just unacceptable. Yeah, no, you can't have there's that. There's no spin, and you can't spin it. And if it hadn't been the big Winter is Coming show with a world title match, and they had done a point three one again. That's when you can say, "All right, it was a run of the mill dynamite." They had all of these season finales. It was a huge television night. Yeah, you just got to take an L this week. And again, it's not that big a deal. But because it was the Winter Is Coming show, because they put the big world title match on it, and because it still did the lowest number since May and the lowest number since of the West Coast time shift has taken effect. It's disappointing, and that's all there is to it, and and there is no spin to be had. You know, I don't want to hear about the West Coast time shift because this was the lowest number since they've shifted the time, so you can't even really point to that. I mean, it's lowest um, since May, so it's like we, we, we lose that. I mean, just lose that again. Like, we're May. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking way, 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 way before the West Coast thing. We're talking, you know, the whole summer, most of the fall. I mean, this West Coast thing's what? How, how many weeks now are we looking at for the West Coast? That was... Uh, 
five or six weeks. Yeah, I mean, we're May. We're talking May. October. (laughs) You know? And um, I know people are tired of hearing it, but I'm going to I'm going to keep on saying it. They went up against the World Series the first week of the West Coast time shift and did a point four, which tells you right there that they're capable of doing a point four. Uh, You listen to some of these AEW fans that were getting defensive about it, and they would make you think that it was just impossible to do that number due to the West Coast time shift when we know that it was possible because they literally did it. So. That's why I set the line at point four. If you could do that against the World Series, uh, which again is is very that that World Series game, I think did about eleven million viewers by itself, let alone whatever else was on that night. Then why can't you do it for a huge match like this? And not only did they not do it, they didn't even come close. If they got a point three five or a point three six, you could say, ah, all right, maybe if uh, things were normal on the West Coast, you know, you still I still wouldn't have thought it was a success. But this is a brutal number, and. Um, Really, the only thing saving this from being an outright disaster is the fact that the total viewership was up. I will say this. As I said last night, I do not think this is a referendum on Hangman Page. Um, You know, you you don't panic and take the belt off of him. Okay, I do not think that this is a cause for concern. I do not think that this is a cause to change the way you're doing things. I don't believe any of that because you're going to TBS in a couple weeks. The West Coast part of it is going to be straightened out, and the, then the game is going to change at that point, and it's going to be whole new baselines that you're dealing with and whatnot. I really think you just chalk this up to a disappointing number, a, a very disappointing number. Um, there, also, there are some silver linings once the quarters came out. I saw a lot of conjecture out there that this is proof that you can't do an hour match on TV. Rich, they said, this is proof that people don't want to just see wrestling on television. That's never a draw. You have to have antics and shenanigans. Variety. And I need some variety. You got to have that variety, and this is the proof uh, that you that, that, that you can't. You have to. You can't do a draw. You have to have a a, a winner. And I'm just thinking to myself, as these people are using this this disappointing rating for their confirmation bias that fans that wrestling fans don't like wrestling and I'm just thinking to myself this is a dangerous game to play before the quarter hours come out right because we don't know if the match was a draw so <coughs> excuse me i this cough is never going to this <laughs> is we're in like 2 months by the way at this cough so and uh you look at the quarter hours and the hour long match was in fact a draw it 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 built from start to finish and it peaked at 1.035 million viewers for two straight quarter hours that fourth and fifth quarter hour averaged over a million viewers and i guarantee you that fifth quarter hour which is when the match ended which had um a bunch of which had a commercial break right after the match and then a, a bunch of other stuff uh, in that quarter hour, if you look at the minute by minutes, which we're probably not going to get a hold of, I guarantee you the finish of the match was well over 1.035 million. That was just the average for the quarter. So the match started at 947,000 viewers, ended at well over a million viewers, which means that the match was a draw. The match worked. It did. It, it draw did. The demo. Yeah. Uh, one but thing. It, one, it, one thing. When I saw those quarter hours, or is, finish your point, then I, then I'll bring my. Yeah, all I was going to say, I was pretty much done. All I was going to say was, now, it still didn't draw on the demo. Because if you break down those 
uh, first four quarter hours or first five quarter hours. Okay, I think first four because the fit's a little unfair because you still only have a point three two in the demo for the match itself. So they didn't get the young viewers this week. Now they like you said earlier. They did draw more over 50s than before, and this episode did draw more total eyeballs. So there was interest in the match. It just wasn't in the 18 to 49 demographic. And this idea, now you're going to see this out there. Uh, I'm not talking about, look, fans are dumb. We all know fans are stupid. Don't don't worry about random Twitter accounts. But you're you're going to see this narrative out there from people who know better, who are going to tell you all week long, that this is some kind of proof that fans don't want to see long matches. They don't want to see time limit draws. They don't want to see wrestling. And, uh, you know, there's just bad punditry out there because if you look at this, it's very obvious that the match itself absolutely drive balls. And then quarter hour six immediately dropped like a stone to 855,000 total viewers and also dropped uh, about 70,000 viewers in the demo. So, um, you know, in terms of just gaining eyeballs, the match worked. But um, go ahead. Well, I, I was curious, you know, looking at those quarter, you know, the, the quarter breakdowns, I was kind of wondering if maybe, and and I just want to flow this, I, I don't actually know if I have a strong opinion on this or not, but do you think that maybe it may have been a mistake to start the show with this? Because it did seem like I there was such a precipitous jump right around that 8.45 to 9 o'clock range of the show. And I wonder if maybe people skip the first hour didn't watch the first hour thinking oh man they're definitely gonna do you know uh danison and 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 page you know in the second hour or it's gonna be the main event or whatever and 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 popped in and then watched it then and and because that that increase is so high for the 845 to 9 i i don't know if that's just strictly word of mouth or people saying hey you gotta watch this match oh my god they're gonna go 60 or it was people deciding oh hey i'll check in now because now is when things are gonna get going i was watching you know the challenge or i was watching the the mavericks and the lakers before but now things are getting going and, and now i know that that you know hangman uh, Brian's going to come up pretty soon and maybe we're caught off guard there. Oh crap. No, it's now like the, the match is still going on. It's already happening. And Oh God, it's been happening for a half an hour already. I do wonder if maybe they didn't do a good job of training their audience to say, Hey, right off the bat, this is opening the show. So get ready. Watch right at 7 PM. You know that, that, that maybe cause I don't like, I, I don't know. I don't recall if they ever actually said that, or a lot of people just found out when the show started. I think like everybody just kind of found out when the show started. And, and I think that was a good idea to do it, but I wonder if they didn't do a good enough job training uh, their audience I mean, to, to expect it or know that it was going to lead the show off. Cause that eight, I mean, at eight forty five, that increases like, what is it? 13% or something like that in the demo. We're talking about the fourth quarter hour. Yeah, yes. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. The, the match is about to end. So I think that's just more, people probably picked up at about the 30 minute point that, you know, we're probably going 60. So then you, maybe you flip around and, you know, you come back for the finish. I think that explains the big jump. I mean, any good, you know, look, here's the other thing. And this is something no one talks about, but I talk about it all the time behind the paywall. And this is just a fact at this point, what they have figured out in the room is that people, it's the opposite of what I just said. And the narratives that you're going to hear. Viewers respond to long matches. That's why Dynamite is mostly matches and they try to limit everything else because they have the data and they know that people change the channel when there's not any action in the ring. Okay? So you're going to hear all this stuff from pundits who don't know what they're talking about when it's the complete opposite. Okay? So I see what you're saying, but it did open at over, you know, about 950,000 viewers, which, um, you know, isn't a bad number to open with. And then, yeah, it did shoot up for the finish of the match. But I think that's pretty normal for 
numbers to shoot up at the end of a big match because people want to see the finish, uh, particularly one that's this long. But, I mean, it grew all the way through. I mean, you know, from start to finish, it started at 947,000 viewers and it finished over a million. So from that aspect, if what people were saying is true and people don't want long matches and people don't want, uh, you know, uh, too much wrestling on a wrestling show, which is utter nonsense, it would have been the opposite. It would have started big because people were curious about the match. And then because the match was so, – you can't be any longer than 60 minutes. You know, because the match was so long, the match would have lost viewers, but it didn't. The match gained viewers. So it's just total nonsense that people don't want to see wrestling on a wrestling show. It's just it, – it, it's nonsense. It's just not true. It's just something people and, say. And, and it gets repeated and said exactly. and, and said and said over and over and over again. And Attitude Era guys go on podcasts and say, oh, no, it's not – you know, you just can't have wrestling. It's got to be something for everybody, and there's absolutely no proof or evidence of that ever. But, you know, it continues. Now, it, 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 and there's certainly no proof of it now. And uh, there's, there's a reason why AEW structures the shows the way they do because – they see them minute by minutes and they know that as soon as a match is over and they, and that's why a lot of AEW pre tapes and things like that are so short. If you notice a lot of them are like 15, 20 seconds because they know you have to do them because you have to let people have a chance to get themselves over. You have to build things. You have to hype things, but at the same time, they don't let them overstay their welcome because they know that people are turning off the channel and, and, and flipping around the, the old dial. Is anyone still flipping around the I was dial? Say, I, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I dial flip anymore. But I, I go up. I, I scooch my because I, I, I'm sitting on a pillow on the floor watching the TV, and I scooch up and go and see what's on. You know, see what's on NBC, the national. You know, it's on the Peacock to see. You know, what's on NBC, and then I switch over to CBS to see what's on there, and then I go back to you know. But to be clear, I mean, this is total viewers. The match did not do well in the demo. The show did not do well in the demo. This is a disappointing number. I don't think you react to it. I think if the plan was to do a rematch, you still do the rematch. I think um, this isn't, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people pressing the panic button. I don't think you do any of that. I don't think you change the way you do things. I, I I don't think that you react to one number in that way, even though this is a more important number than than the last few weeks because of uh you know the the importance of this match and the fact that it was winter is coming you expect this match and this show to draw better than this i don't think you just chalk it up to we did a bad number and then you just carry on business as usual because i think they're doing a lot of good things there's some things i would change um but once the quarter hours came out i thought the big winners were I would honestly, I would now do more longer matches because to me, this shows me that people are interested in that and the and the total universe of people watching grows. If you have a compelling long match, it grows. And we saw the same thing with Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega in the 30 minute draw. The audience uh, remained big for that entire match. So uh, my big takeaways once we saw it, look, you have to accept this is a bad number. You didn't do a good number. Wasn't good. But if you're looking for silver linings and takeaways, long matches work as long as you have yourself compelling people involved in a compelling story. And I think a big winner here is MJF. I mean, because this show fell off a cliff. He got him back. As yeah, the, the as... losers, the losers are Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb because and and it's probably a bad spot. There were probably you know people were probably tuning in for the whole sixty minutes or whatever, and we saw you know it growing and growing and growing. And the second that match was over, they wanted to do they bounce back to something else. You know, watch, go back to the challenge, go back to the NBA, go back to whatever. 
and, and did, like you said, kind of flipping back and forth, flipping back and forth. But then when MJF got back on the screen, they were back. And that's that's cool. That's good. That's definitely a feather in his cap. And and I don't know if it's a referendum exactly on, uh, on Hikaru Rashida and Serena D, but it, it it's certainly something to look at and, and say, ah, you know. that I don't think anything, nothing was following that match. No, exactly. And right. It was a 60-minute match. Even... It, it was exhausting to watch. It was exhausting. Yes. There, I, I think it was it was kind of the old WWE death spot. It, it, they put them and Seidel and Wardlow in. So I, I'm not ready to say, okay, Wardlow. He's toast and she does. Ah, it's never going to work. Like, it's a bad number, but it's not a disaster. I mean, come on, guy, chill out. It's not a disaster. The uh, heads are not going to roll because of this number. It's just, it's not a good number. You can say that. You could say that's a bad number. They're probably not super happy about it and also say that they're not going to go in there and say, all right, Hangman, you're no longer the title. Sheeta, you're fired. Like, it's it's not that bad, guys. Like, calm down. They're not happy about it. I, I don't know what the internal spin is. I, did you talk to anybody today? I, I have not. I have not talked to anybody. I don't know what the internal spin is. I don't care. There's no spin. 0.31 is not good. It's it's very, very bad. It's way below what it would have even been a disappointing number. It's super disappointing. Um, now, MJF, his the final quarter hour of the show, uh, did 420,000 in the demo, which is actually more than the main event started at, at the beginning of the show. And um, in total viewers, it bounced all the way back up to 936,000 viewers for that quarter hour, which is right in line with the first three quarter hours of the, of the main event. So, and he wasn't exactly, you know, MJF wasn't in there with the rock. He was in there with Dante Martin. Okay. Who is not a ratings draw of any kind, good young talent, tons of potential, but Dante Martin is not a ratings draw by any stretch of the imagination. So you have to credit MJF for that. And MJF has become a reliable ratings draw for this company. He has the stuff with CM Punk always works. And you could say, all right, well, Punk is the most reliable ratings draw that the company has. So you got to credit Punk and not MJF. Okay, fine. But look at this. He's in there with Dante Martin. And uh, they have a a bounce back quarter hour, which, you know, I don't think it would have fallen below 0.3. But, you know, the number would have been even uglier if they didn't bounce back in that final quarter hour. So I think uh, he's a winner coming out of this, too. But, um, you know, just... It, look, if you're don't be a defensive AEW fan who makes excuses for this demo number because it stinks, and there are no good excuses for it. Um, you know, you could try to talk about why. I don't even think who cares. I mean, it just was bad. Um, and I could poke holes in in any excuse you want to give. Believe me, don't talk about power outages. Why were all the other shows up? What the power? The power was only only TNT's power. Only the power was only out for people <laughs> trying to watch Dynamite. I was mean, that was that about, was that said? Because that's pretty cool. I heard I, I heard people talking about power outages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, hey, I'm one of them. So yeah, my, my you know my demo number got uh, greatly reduced. So yeah, you know, uh, competition. There's always competition, and all the shows they're competing with were all up. Yeah, 0.65, uh, 18 to 49. Uh, we're able to watch the Mavericks and the Lakers on the ESPN. So uh, despite their power outage, so yeah. And 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 I don't want to hear this. Well, you know, you know. People chose to watch, you know, wrestling. Well, that's the point. When are people going to choose to watch wrestling? This they stack this so people would choose wrestling. That was the and they didn't. There's no excuses here. And again, I'm not saying you got to take the belt off Hangman Page. I wouldn't do that. Of course not. Um, you have to stay the course with him and see what happens. But am I also? I'm also not going to tell you that he's a star at the level of Kenny Omega or John Moxley or CM Punk or. Or any of these people, because he's not. He's not there yet. But <clears throat> you don't pull the plug, because look at the reactions he gets in the arenas. And look at the last pay-per-view, which did their second second biggest total number of buys. 
And he was in the main event with Kenny Omega. Now, does it help that CM Punk and Brian Danielson are on that pay-per-view? Sure. But we don't have nearly enough data to suggest that Hangman Page is some kind of a flop and you need to be taking the belt off him. That's nonsense. I mean, again, you don't want to overreact to this number. You don't want to change your booking patterns either. You want to stay the course. Uh, Rich, we've talked about it. If AEW wanted to, they can uh, put together a dynamite that could draw 1.5 million viewers next week. They could do that if they wanted to, but, and, and you know, Vince Russo would probably do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and Eric Bischoff would probably do that. Especially for that first show on TBS. Right. They would, they would, they would empty that holster for everything and it would get a great number, but then they and, would have to book another year of wrestling. And they wouldn't know what to do. So, and maybe Tony Khan will load that show up for all we know. But the point here is these guys would be empty in the holster every week. And then what do you have six months from that? I mean, if you want to argue that Tony Khan's booking is patient to a fault, I'm all ears. I do think he's a little too patient. I do think he holds back a little too much. But I would rather err on that side than give everything away and hot shot things and be reactive when you don't do a good number, when you're expecting to do a good number. I don't. You can't do that. You have to play the long game because they're going to get an enormous raise when this television deal comes up, even if they stay at the numbers they're at now, they're getting an enormous raise. Okay. And you have to keep building these young wrestlers. You have to sacrifice main events and stick Dante Martin in them for now, because you want to yeah. mm-hmm. five years from now, Dante Martin uh, to be an important part of your company and a drawing card. You have to stick with hangman page while we're still finding out whether he can be a draw. Because you can't rely on Chris Jericho and John Moxley forever, so uh, you have to stay the course. You can't be reactive. Right, it's I don't something that tear I can, up your plans. Yeah, and it's that. something that WWE has not done a very good job of over the last ten years. And people could say, "Oh, they don't care about ratings." They absolutely do care about ratings, and we see it, and we see it clear as day that you know, anytime someone gets a modicum of a momentum, and that's why we said, "Hey, you know, get a little worried about Big E because if things don't turn around for Big E internally, that company, we've seen it. Anybody who's watched this company for the last fifteen years is well aware that if the momentum doesn't start, you know, getting going on those guys, that they lose faith, and Vince never gives that faith back to guys." He'll go back to the old guys. He'll go back to his attitude era guys. He'll go back to Edge. He'll go back to Goldberg. He'll go back to Brock. He'll, you know, he's got Roman. Roman finally broke through a little bit and was able to be one of those guys. And and, and Becky largely has, has become one of those people. And Sasha's probably one of them. But like, there's not many that that, that break through there. And there's a, a pile, an ungodly, you know, just a, a, a huge stack of a pile of guys that were given spots, given titles. One week it didn't draw. Okay, whatever. This guy's not going to draw. He can't do it. It's it's not going to work with him. And, and and yeah, that's not what you should do. That is, I mean, you should stay the course because you want to eventually down the line have MJF, like you said, become uh, a draw. Have Dante Martin become a draw. Have Hangman Page become a draw. I mean, you're gonna have to. You, you might have some weeks that that look like crap or whatever, but yeah, you got to stay the course. I mean, it's 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 not enough of a disaster that TNT is gonna call and say, hey, what's going on, guys? Well, you know, what are we doing here? Because I mean, obviously, still being top five in the demo, you know, I, I'm sure TNT is 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 pretty happy with. But uh, yeah, you're not. You're not quite where you want to be all the way yet, and and that certainly is um, certainly is a little worrisome. Yeah, I mean the show finished fifth, but you know wasn't that you know there's weeks where this show beats Housewives, yeah, and this show beats the challenge, and you you loaded this show up and stacked it so it would compete with this rough week, and it didn't work. It didn't work. That's all there is to it, and you know there's there's no spin that I'm, I'm gonna accept. You know, I, I can poke holes in any of the spin that anybody wants to throw at me. It just didn't work. 
Uh, I don't, you know, it, it's the old, it was rainy outside, it was sunny, the circus was in town, and it was the Survivor finale. It's all the same to me. The bottom line is it just didn't work. So, um, you know, but again, what's weird is you have this big increase in total viewers. So, I mean, so what do you think in terms of the match? I mean, it, it did increase viewership, but it didn't increase the viewership that you wanted it to increase. No, you, yeah, the olds, you the olds, that? your NXT olds were, were very interested. I don't know, the NXT olds were interested in it. Um. I don't know. It's it's strange. Yeah, that 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 I think is the most interesting part of it all to me is that the the, the fifty pluses really came forward, and and there's some other demos too that that came forward more than you would think. Like uh, I think what was it like eighteen to thirty four? Eighteen to thirty four was up a bunch. A lot of males eighteen to thirty four watched. <laughs> you know, it, it's like there's very weird demos that so were it was up. The, so it was the older so it was the older half of the demo that didn't watch. Yeah, but then me, the older demo did watch, which oh. is weird. Yeah, I, it, it's yes. th- there's a lot of weird numbers in this one. It, it, it's a very, very strange one to understand because yeah, there's this weird like 35 to 48 year olds were like, screw this, I'm not watching it, I don't care. But like 18 to 30 year olds were like, yeah, I'm into it, and then 50 year olds were like, yeah, I'm into it. I don't know. It's so weird. I, I, I yeah, you got it. Okay, so here I got it for you. I'll re- I'll give it to you. You got it right. It was. Uh... This is courtesy of WrestleNomics. He what he does is uh, your increase percent, your increase or decrease percentage wise versus the last four or last twenty eight days, meaning the last four episodes of the show, which is a pretty good indicator of how you're doing versus uh, you know recent vintage shows. Males eighteen to thirty four were up four percent. That was uh, one of only three demos that were up. Females twelve to thirty four was also up 4%, and obviously people over 50 were up 21%. The old-school, older wrestling fan was very interested in this match to the point it was up 21% versus the last month. Every other demographic group was down, some of them double digits down. So that's it. You, you, you got it exactly right. For whatever reason, the younger half of the male demo uh, did okay, the younger half of the female demo did okay, and it was the older half of that 18 to 49, those 35 to 49s, who were watching other things. And they really, really love Luka Doncic, I guess. I don't know. You didn't even play. I don't even think you played that night. So, uh, I yeah, I don't know. They really like the Survivor, and they really like the NBA. It, it, it's strange. I don't know. It's a, it's a very, very weird number, but... Um... So you regroup, you see what happens when you move to TBS. Because no, you, everything... you, you take the title off Hangman, you fire Hikaru Shida, yeah. you, you tell Brian Danielson, you know, you're done, pal, we're going to find somebody else, and you main event CM Punk and MJF on the next week on Dynamite. So, Well, the world we live in, and for all of these shows, and we're guilty as well, is people hyper-focus on these week-to-week ratings when we're always saying it's like the, the macro is way more important than the micro. Um. And I'm just seeing a lot of wild takes in reaction to this rating because it was a bad rating. But there's just so much wild stuff. Like they, you know, they need to rip up the way they do things. They need to get back to making sure they got too many people on the roster. And you know, you gotta you gotta focus yeah, on globalizing uh, a one week rating. Calm like, down. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think you need to rip up any scripts. You don't need to rethink the way you do things. You just have to chalk this one up to it didn't work. And I actually think – I honestly think it's a waste of time trying to figure out why because in six days you're going to do it all over again. So you just stay the course. And in fact, 
I would, you know, I would do the rematch again. Um, and, and this time around, you know, you, you see if you can capture the younger demographic with it. I think the CM Punk MJF match is going to do well whenever they do that. And, uh, you know, but yeah, very disappointing number. Um, you know, see, Rich, I was going to be a winner either way. Because if it came in under the point four, you know, um, I get to shit on everybody who was mad at me for saying it should do a point four. But if it had come in over the point four, I would have been the the savant that told everyone that it could do over. The, you see, mm-hmm. so you see how mm-hmm. I set myself oh, yeah. up oh, there, yeah. Rich. You're, you're, you know what you're doing here. See, uh, you, you see through me. The others, <laughs> I don't buy any of that shit. But yes, you you see through me. You're 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 wise to my ways, but I. Uh, I set myself up to be a winner either way with this number, but I definitely was not expecting the the pathetic point three one that they put up, which uh, which uh, you know without question was not a good number at all. So, uh, you got anything else on these ratings? Uh, I don't. I think I'm, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm I'm very curious what next week does, and I'm very curious again. Like I said, I I'm really looking at the TBS. Uh, we talked about it in the winter's coming uh, instant reaction is is. I think now definitely. I, I, if I'm doing that rematch, I, I think TBS is the place to do that. Build it up for a couple weeks. Say, hey, that the opening night, maybe the first match out of the gate, the rematch of the 60 minute draw. That's going to start us off on TBS or whatever, and you know you'll you'll know from there. I mean, it, I, I guess it, you know it, it's a big deal. You want a lot of people to watch, but I mean, I guess you know with this number, maybe you don't want to put that on TBS if you're assuming that this match is the reason a lot of people didn't want to watch it or whatever. I don't know. It, how, about it's, a, how about a broader conversation? Why are all the wrestling shows struggling with everything else on TV is doing? I have no idea. People are just bored of wrestling for the last the winter. I don't know. I'm not sure. So Raw two weeks ago does an all time low. Yeah, oh brutal. Raw, yeah, everyone's doing brutal right now. Raw last week does its well this week rather does its second lowest of all time in a bounce big bounce <laughs> Rock back. bounces back yeah. we're, we're throwing second roses, lowest ever <laughs> we're throwing roses at Bobby Lashley for doing the second lowest number with the show built around him uh, for Raw NXT 2.0 did its lowest total viewership since it changed its uh, whatever you want to call it colors since it changed to Rainbow Raw it did its lowest total viewership. SmackDown is setting various uh, low marks in in, in different categories. Uh, Rampage is struggling. Dynamite this week puts up a pathetic demo number. But yet, you look at the rest of – so you look at the chart, right? Like anyone would do, you'd look at the chart. You say, ah, well, let's see where everybody – oh, everything else was up from the week before. All these finales did monster numbers. Sports are crushing it. The NBA – Major League Playoffs killed it. World Series didn't do so great, but the playoffs killed it. NFL sets new records every week. College football had a killer season, especially uh, Fox, uh, in particular, Fox College Football. But wrestling right now is in the shitter. Impact, like literally zero people are watching it. Have you seen Impact numbers lately? <laughs> They're really bad, yeah. There there have been flagship episodes that, that were very close and or rivaled. Um impact those impact numbers are brutal hey we were beating impact on a regular basis when they were on uh uh, not not pop not destination america what was their real low point destination america no there was one lower than that okay okay let's let's try to remember what (laughs) stations okay what was the uh, network they were on right before? Wait, was this the one that had like the fishing shows on it and sometimes it just wouldn't show it? Pursuit, were, right? Is Pursuit was the name of it? Pursuit. Yeah, that's the one where sometimes it just wouldn't air. <laughs> it would just They would just go, eh. There was one episode on Pursuit where right before the main event, so like an hour and, <laughs> an hour and 40 minutes into the show, 
And I remember watching this because it was a Michael Elgin versus Rich Swan match that was hyped, and I wanted to see it. And a commercial came on for like a, a fishing tackle, like some kind of lure. You call that a lure, right? A lure. I believe it's a lure. Lure more than a lore. So this thing came on for like this uh, glowing... This, oh yeah, it was the glow-in-the-dark, glow right? Because the guy's... Tackle. Yeah, because you had the screenshot of the guy holding up the fish with the glow-in-the-dark yeah. lure in the background. So. And the commercial, which was probably a two-minute commercial or something, because it was one of those longer commercials, because it's like one of those, call now to order this lore, you know. It ran on a loop for the remaining <laughs> 20 minutes of the show. And Impact never came back. Impact never came back, and it just ran... The commercial. <laughs> they probably the had more viewers and made more money on the lure. They, you know, they sold eight of those lures and made more money than they would from Impact. So, so I don't know if that Mike Elgin Rich Swan match ever aired. <laughs> I don't know. It may, it may have aired. It may not have aired. Oh, those pursuit numbers. Yeah, the pursuit numbers were definitely. Uh, yeah, the pre-anthem, uh, we were definitely beating the hell out of the pursuit <laughs> Impact numbers. We were whipping for sure. that ass yeah. on pursuit. We're whipping that ass. I don't know now, but we're we're we're, pretty, we're not that far off. We definitely yeah. have you know it's something to look towards, something to look towards for sure. Some a so, goalpost uh, to reach. No, but impact is in the fucking shitter. So I don't know what's going on, but no one wants to watch wrestling right now. So I don't even know if you can point to this as like a promotion specific thing, like you know what's wrong with AEW's booking, right? Because wrestling's down across the board. So, I, I I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely too I, much of it. I, I I think I honestly could say there's definitely too much of it. I mean, yeah, but that's what everyone says when it's down, and then it's all up. How come there's never too much of it when it's up? Nah, I know. Right? Yeah, I know. But so I, it's like from my personal standpoint, there's too much of it. But I also don't watch Raw and I don't watch SmackDown, so it, it makes it a lot easier just to you know well, catch you Rampage and the, Dynamite. Look, but look at the stuff you're punting. I don't think people see. I've heard the theory that Rampage is hurting Dynamite. I don't buy that because who's choosing Rampage over Dynamite? I can't imagine anyone's doing that. Right, you don't you don't have this finite and that, and that's where that that fallacy comes in. You don't have a finite amount of hours that you can watch and you know, you're not like, well, I'm going to devote 1 hour of my Friday to Rampage, but that means I now cannot watch any bit of uh, of Dynamite on Wednesdays. It's it's yeah, it's two completely different things. I'm going to take an L. This is a rare thing. I'm going to take an L. Oh my god. Take an L. You want me, I can edit this off. Let me let me get the time cue real, real quick. Um I want you to leave it on. Forty nine sixteen is what I got. So go ahead. Feeds into my next point. I'm going to take an L. Um, I feel like if Rampage was truly an A show, which it's not. Remember, I said I thought it, that Tony Khan would ensure that Rampage was an A show. I it hasn't been. You cannot call Rampage an A show. Um, it's it been pretty. It's been same. pretty missable the last few weeks for sure. It doesn't have the same caliber of content that Dynamite has. So. I will take the L on that. It's clearly a B show. Um, I feel like if Rampage were an A show, though, a true A show, that then you can make the argument that it's cannibalizing uh, or whatever term you want to use, dynamite to some extent. Because then maybe people are thinking they're stacking them against each other and thinking, hmm, you know, I really like that dynamite lineup better. I'm going to make sure I watch that on Friday and I'm going to, you know, take out my girlfriend and finger blast her on Wednesday. Right, but that's not what's happening because Rampage isn't a true A show. It's clearly the B show. So I can't imagine anyone choosing Rampage over Dynamite. Does that make sense? No, for sure. So I don't buy that theory. I don't know what it is. Last December, people watched wrestling. 
this December, people aren't watching wrestling. Well, and, and a big part of that, the December over December thing, too, and there was a lot of discussion about that in our Discord, the NBA did not exist last December. When did the NBA come back? They came back, I believe. Let me get the exact time for it. But they these last three weeks or whatever, December, they, they were not around. I believe they started – did they start around Christmas Day? I think they actually did start – the season on uh, either on Christmas or the week before. Let yeah, me get that the exact. Would, that would explain Dynamite for sure because that's head to head with the big NBA games. That wouldn't explain the other shows. Let me make sure when they exactly started because I don't recall off the top of my head. December twenty second, they started. December twenty second, the season. There started. you go. The first three weeks of December, you wouldn't have NBA competition for Dynamite last Correct. year. Yeah, right. Um, that wouldn't affect Raw. You had the NFL with Raw um, Friday. NBA doesn't really run Friday on TV, so oh no, they, they certainly they they do they definitely do. I don't know how what, I don't know what the what numbers network are. Network early on on Friday. Uh, ESPN, they're back. ESPN well, Wednesdays and and Fridays, and then TNT used to be Thursdays. Now Tuesdays. Okay, so it's Tuesday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday are the big NBA days now. Okay. Yeah, I didn't really. Prior didn't years, know it would have been Wednesday, Thursday, Friday would have been the big year. But now it's two, so now they're running. Well, they're running games Wednesday. They ran game. Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesdays on ESPN. Wednesdays and Fridays are the big ESPN games. Tuesdays yeah. the big TNT game now. And then when the NFL goes away, uh, they'll pop big games on Saturday nights and they'll pop big games on Monday nights uh, as well. They'll be they'll basically they'll they'll use you know February through you know May as as basically just take over every week <laughs> you know every day of the week. Uh, they'll, they'll try to put stuff on there. So um, yeah, everybody yeah. runs from everyone runs from the NFL. So yeah, okay. So yeah, I mean. You know, you can look at that with the year over year, but um, it's just everything. Every single show is down. So um, I, 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 I don't have any theory. I don't. If other stuff was down, you know, you could say that people are just maybe last year stuck in the house. Maybe they're still doing the uh, hibernation, not hibernation, the fucking quarantine gimmick. Same thing, I guess. Um. But I don't think that's the case because people are watching other shit. Yeah, it's just not. I don't know. Wrestling's not popular right now. <laughs> I don't know. It's it, the most disappointing part about it for AEW is that there felt like there was that momentum. It felt like they had turned turn that corner with, with with Punk and with Brian and with Cole and that sort of stuff. And and we're kind of just back to right where we were before. We've kind of lost all that growth and 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 it's you know back to square one a little bit, which is definitely disappointing. I mean, it's it's they have yeah, Rampage now, which is good. They have another show that they're getting paid for, which is obviously really good and 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 pretty awesome, but yeah, it, it's you know, we're we're kind of barring two monster shows. How many more they got left? How many more dynamites in December? Two. Barring two monster dynamites. Are they even airing on the 29th? Yeah, I'm sure they are. Um, this will be the first month where Dynamite has negative year-over-year growth since, I believe, April. I'm not looking at the chart right now, but I think it's either uh, March or April. So they've had year-over-year growth every month this year since about April, and double-digit year-over-year growth. So that's what you're talking about, where they had all this growth all year long, and now there's this December wall. And I don't buy that it's just the West Coast time shift. I don't buy that. I think it obviously has an effect. It doesn't have this massive effect that people think it does, but it does have an effect. Um, and look, if Dynamite was the only show out of the five or six wrestling shows that was down, then you could say, oh, it must be the wet, but it's not. And we know Meltzer has done estimates on the West Coast time. It's not this massive you know, game changer that people think it is. Um, but 
you know, maybe the calendar turns, you move the TBS, and you see what happens. And you see if that lines up with the rest of these shows. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, just to wrap it up, it's just, yeah, not a good number at all. Not And no spin. It's just a bad num- really bad number. Uh, so we're going to get to a few of the other topics we wanted to get to. Before we do that, we do want to let you know that this episode of the Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our friends at Keeps. And guys, we know so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair from how it feels. Getting a fresh cut, which I did do today. It does feel great, by the way. Uh, to the way it's perfectly styled before you go out. And that's why we get so in, you know, in our in our twenties and our thirties, we start noticing that first sign of hair loss, and it feels like panic time. You look in the mirror, you figure out what the hell am I going to do? What is going on? What are we going to do? No guy is ever ready to go bald. Thankfully, there is keeps the simple and easy way to keep your hair. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they are thirty-five, and the best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left. Uh, back in the day, you used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescriptions. You have to, you know, go check in at the the, the pharmacy and hit the button, and then somebody had to come and unlock it. And it was embarrassing. It was annoying and weird. Now, though, thanks to Keeps, you can visit your doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. You can skip the trip. Delivered right to your house. They make it easy and deliver your medication every three months so you could say goodbye, as we said, to the pharmacy checkout lines, the button, the keys, the awkward doctor visits. Those things are things of the past. Keeps offers generic versions of the two FDA, uh, the only two FDA approved hair loss products out there. Uh, You may have tried these products before, but you've never tried them for the price that Keeps is going to give them for you. Uh, And Keeps treatments typically take between four to six months to see results. So it's important to act now, as we said. By the time you're 35, someone's going to experience it. And if you don't act, fast you're gonna be too far gone so do it fast act now uh, find out why keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and more than 100,000 men trust keeps for their hair loss prevention medication keeps treatment start at just ten dollars per month plus for a limited time only you're gonna get your first month free uh, the way you're gonna do that is you're gonna go to keeps.com slash vow that's k-e-e-p-s dot com slash vow you're going to get your first month of treatment for free once again that's keeps.com k-e-e-p-s dot com slash vow first month free keeps.com slash vow all right so where do you want to go we have a lot of different ways to uh we got kevin owens we got roh we got new japan uh tokyo sports awards we have some unfortunate news to talk about i don't know where, where do you want to go with this so about Jimmy Rave. Let's do that. So um, this week, uh, we, we did hear the unfortunate news that Jimmy Rave, uh, J- real name James Guffey, known to the wrestling world, obviously, as Jimmy Rave, uh, died just a few days after his 39th birthday. Uh, he had a rough go over the last few years. He had had numerous medical issues. He had his left arm uh, amputated in November of 2020, I believe. Uh, and then in October, uh, we learned that MRSA caused both his legs to be amputated as well. So he uh, obviously was not doing well. And, uh, yeah, this news... Uh, still came as a, as a surprise as, as somebody who's only 39 years old. You, you definitely hate uh, to, to to hear anything about this, but uh, we don't know. We I don't know if we know any causes. I don't know if we know any of those details. Um, but regardless, uh, Jimmy Rave passes away uh, this week, just days after his 39th birthday, which is just just awful. Yeah, triple amputee by the time he died. Um, his health problems and his problems with uh, drug abuse issues are, are you know widely known. It's all public. Uh, yeah, but Jimmy Rave, I think most people listening would have become familiar with Jimmy Rave uh, during peak ROH with the Embassy. He started with uh, NWA Wildside previous to that, but he really broke through on the scene 
with Ring of Honor as one of the top heels in the history of that promotion. I promotion man, I put him in I put him in an upper when you talk about like vitriol in that building because because ring of honor was one of those promotions that if, if you ever went to a live ring of honor show or even if you watch ring of honor you know even the quote-unquote bad guys short of czw like czw the, the collective czw was probably the biggest heel in that company's history but like most times like there was always dudes that were like cheering for the heel or the heel was always like kind of shades of gray there was very tr- there was very rarely like a truly evil person in Ring of Honor, a truly hateable, detestable person in Ring of Honor. Most times, you know, even if you liked, you know, this guy more than this guy, there was a bunch of people who would cheer for, for you know, another guy. Brian Danielson, when he was doing his heel shtick, a lot of people still cheered for him because he was Brian Danielson. He was a great wrestler, whatever. Jimmy Rave, nobody cheered for Jimmy Rave. Nobody. I mean, that dude came out and, and I was part of those scenes where that building and that ring would get filled with toilet paper when that guy came out. I mean, they just, it was so fun to just throw toilet paper at that guy and just say the worst shit ever to him. And it was, that was Ring of Honor, man. But like, yeah, I, I put him really honestly, it, it, it's, it's a very short list of what I would call truly heels in that company that nobody, nobody was cheering for Jimmy Ray. Nobody in that entire building. When I did it at the Frontier Field House in Chicago Ridge, I don't know what uh, was going on in Edison or whatever, but nobody, not a single person there was happy to see Jimmy Raven cheering for Jimmy Ray. But it was all done, I think, in, in, in a pretty fun manner, at least in, in, in my standpoint of it. Yeah, if people don't know, you know, he would get, you know, dozens of rolls of toilet paper thrown at him during his entrance for every match. And, uh, you know, obviously ROH embraced that and they allowed people to bring toilet paper into the venues and he would just get pelted with this stuff. <laughs> it was Not pretty hard. ridiculous. There was one time it was yeah. ridiculous. They could, it took him so long to clean out the ring. I wonder what they did with all that toilet paper. That's I just stuffed it under the ring, man. I, I was there for uh, one of the shows in the aftermath and it was there. Just stuffed it under the ring. A lot of a dumpster. toilet paper, yeah. you know, and you know, it's, uh, I would have taken that shit home. I mean, that's, that's a lot of free fresh fucking... rolls. They were all fresh rolls too. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, just, uh, yeah, truly hateable heel. The embassy, which, I mean, as an act, ah, the wokes aren't going to like that one in 2021, Rich. You know, with Jade Chung, uh, you know, where he would step on her back to us uh, <laughs> to climb into the ring. Um, you know, that that certainly is not something you could do today. Uh, and again, it's kind of like we talked a little about this. It was either last night. The, this uh, is one of those things. Do, do you ever do this where you Google something, especially for wrestling? And it's like you're taken aback that it doesn't immediately take you to a wrestling. Th- I typed in the NBC on <laughs> Google yeah. thinking, ah, yes, of course, they're going to give me Jay Chung, Prince Nana, and Jimmy Rave. Right. No, indeed, they gave me the U.S. Embassy, uh, not uh, the Ring of Honor professional wrestling stable, the Embassy. Come on, so, Google. Yeah, figure it out. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Like, if Google's as smart as they claim it is. Yeah. They would have known that if I'm looking for the embassy, I'm looking Donovan Dijak, Jimmy Ray, Jade Chung. You know what I mean? Donovan Dijak. He was a he was an embassy guy. Really? Like late stage? Like, wait, wait, are you sure Donovan Dijak? I think it's someone else. I think we lost Krejci. He must have another one of these dog emergencies. But uh, at any rate. Uh, this era of the embassy was Jimmy Rave and Prince Nadan, Jay Chung, and Alex Shelley uh, later on. And yeah, just mega heat for this guy. And uh, his his feud with AJ Styles. And then he had a title match against Brian Danielson in 2006. I believe that one was in Edison, New Jersey at the Inman Sports Club. 
as referenced earlier, and I believe I saw that one uh, live, as a matter of fact. I'm trying to look that up now. Yeah, Brian Danielson, Jimmy Rave at the fourth anniversary show in uh, February of 2006. Uh, that was a title shot against Brian Danielson, so I remember seeing that match live. But uh, yeah, the embassy, certainly elements of that gimmick that would not fly today. But uh, no. but again, they were heels and it got heat. I mean, that was the point. But you're not allowed to get heat in certain ways anymore. And that would certainly be one of them. Uh, you know, they were basically abusive towards uh, Jay Chung was the idea behind that. Um, and, and, you know, there's supposed to be sympathy on Chung and all that. But, um, you know, the gimmick was she would get down on all fours. And that's how Jimmy Rave would step into the ring on the back of Jay Chung. So um, if you're going to look up old Jimmy Rave stuff and you're 20 years old, just be prepared. Yes, you know, there's yeah, so. there's going to be a lot of stuff. A lot of things will also be yelled at Jimmy Rave that are probably not uh, very nice <laughs> yeah. either. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and again, like it was either last night or last week, but you know, time has moved incredibly fast in the last 15 years. I mean, that was only 2006, Rich, uh, where we were, that doesn't, it wasn't that long ago. You know, we're only talking about 15 years where, uh, but, uh, you know, things change quickly, but yeah, that was probably, uh, peak Jimmy Rave right there. I know, uh, you had dipped out for a second, but I talked about the feud with AJ Styles and, you know, he eventually had a world title match against Brian Danielson. And then eventually he moved on to TNA. And he did the uh, Rock and Rave Infection tag team with Lance Hoyt. And uh, Christy Hemi, I believe, was part of that act. I think that's correct. Yeah, I, I can double check. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. that, that TNA run all that much. I The, the Ring of Honor run, obviously, um, certainly stands to me a little bit more. But, I mean, yeah, he, it wasn't, like, insignificant. But it, it, it's it's not super, super memorable. And they were a prelim tag team. Right. I mean, you know, they were a prelim, but they were a fun prelim tag team that got over. And then he did return to ROH, if you remember, for the like the second incarnation of the embassy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which, uh, man, that, you know, where I believe didn't Necro Butcher eventually end up with the embassy. And uh, it, this was during it got, the Adam it got weird. Yeah, it got pretty strange for a while there. Yeah, this was the Adam Pierce era this was after gabe was fired this was the eighth of, this was prime hd net mike hogwood slapped the porpoise era roh where uh jimmy rave returned after the tna run and they did sort of a second incarnation of the embassy with eric stevens and um tomasa yeah, champa ne- he was the crown jewel uh, of the uh, yeah. of the of the new embassy yeah ne- necro butcher like i said ernie osiris um a bunch of guys came in and out of it because, you know, they did a lot of angles and whatnot. But it wasn't the same as the peak, you know, 2005, 2006 embassy, you know, with Alex Shelley and Jimmy Rave and, and Jade Chung. And, you know, you still had Prince Nana and Jimmy Rave as sort of the centerpieces. But it just, you know, it was it was a rehash. It was a rehash and it, it, it wasn't quite the same and didn't have the same feel. But, um, yeah, after that. Um, 2009-ish, 2010 run in uh, in Ring of Honor. You know, Jimmy Rave, I'm pretty sure he did a Best of the Super Juniors right before the New Japan blew up, maybe 08 or 09 or something like that. Um, there was also that uh, little New Japan run, maybe for a tour or two. And then he basically... Yeah, he did uh, 28, uh, 2008. He did the Super Juniors 2008. It was also in a junior tag title tournament, or junior uh, heavyweight uh, title tag tournament in uh, in 2008 as well. So, 
Well, there you go. He did an extended, extended run there in late 2008. Uh, 2008. Yeah. And then, uh, and then after that, I mean, once the Ring of Honor thing, uh, the second run in Ring of Honor kind of uh, ran its course, he pretty much went back to the indies and was in and out of the indies for a number of years. And this is where he started to run into some of his issues. And, you know, he'd be in and out. He'd come back full force for a year. And then you wouldn't hear about him for six months. And then he'd come back again. And he, he had a, a big indie revival. When would you say that was? About 2016? I would say probably 2014, 2015. Then 2016, I think, is when it really started uh, getting going. Probably probably 2015 more because I know that was the uh, either the original or the second Scenic City Invitational. And he won that tournament. And that, I think, was the big moment where everybody was just kind of like, all right, hey, Jimmy Rave, you know, he's back and, and he's healthy and he's feeling good and everything's going well. And like, and that I'd say, yeah, probably 2015, 2016, what I would say the peak of, of that period was because he was he was all over the place. Oh, those two years. I mean, he was in every little indie tournament. He was in the Smoky Mountain Cup. He was in two scenic city invitationals. He was in uh, just a bunch of stuff all over the, the, the country. And, and like you said, it, you can follow and chart kind of the, the 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 ebbs and flows of Jimmy Rave's career because, you know, 20, 2015, 2016, he's everywhere. He's working a bunch of different places. And then 2017, he just disappears. He's just nowhere until like late 2018. He pops up again at a few other places and then goes away for a couple months. Then he's back in 2019 again. Then he goes away. And that kind of was a constant in Jimmy Rave's thing is like you would hear about this guy wrestling everywhere for uh, you know a year or a couple months. And then he would just completely disappear and fall off the face of the earth uh, for months at a time. And, and uh, yeah, that's when he was obviously battling uh, several, several issues that uh, he I mean, I think he had battled them almost most of his career, but they had starting to get a little bit accelerated over the last couple of years. Yeah, and there was a um, definitely a period there in the middle part of the last decade. There were people who considered him one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, I didn't necessarily agree with that assessment. I thought he was doing some good work. I didn't think it was, you know, best in the world uh, level work. But there were people who, you know, who know what they're talking about, who thought he was that good. And, you know, he did have some matches that I really liked uh, during that period. And it did look like... Um, you know, after disappearing for a little while that his career was back on the upswing, but he would constantly run into these issues. And you have to think that if things had gone better for him, uh, that he would very likely be a constant today with like your game changers and, and, and people like that um, as sort of this, uh, because he was a very well-respected veteran. The one thing I see um, after he passed was how many, indie wrestlers on the scene today not his contemporaries but wrestlers on the indie scene today who were sharing their stories their dms their emails where he would just unprovoked just offer support and critique on matches and um you know so he was sort of in some ways to the current crop of indie wrestlers their tracy smothers in where in his generation, Tracy Smothers was that guy for everybody, right? Yeah, like it, right, it, right. And like he was kind of he kind of filled that role for the modern indie wrestler in a lot of ways, where they looked up to him as a guy who, all right, maybe he didn't make it, make it in terms of you know he you know he wasn't a WrestleMania headliner, but he was a guy who uh, did get very close to the top of his profession, you know, a generation before us and. We respect the fuck out of him as a worker, and and he's someone that we look up to, and he's always there to help. Very similar to what Tracy uh, Smothers represented to his generation, where he was a guy where, yeah, 
Tracy Smothers made it to national TV. And uh, there's a lot of parallels there. They're just a generation apart, you know, and, and maybe both of them didn't get as far as they should have based on their talent. Right. But they both represented something to the generation behind them. And uh, that was something that stuck out to me uh, this week as I was, uh, you know, just reading things on Twitter and other places uh, with people talking about Jimmy Rave and what he meant to them and all those sorts of things. So um, obviously 39 years old. I mean, it's just stupid young. It's just dumb. Um, you know, and he, he had it really, really hard for the, the tail end of that. I mean, triple amputee. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that. I mean, yeah, just, when you when that picture came back, I mean, when he when he lost both his legs, it was just it's like, hard oh. to look at. Yeah, it, it was. It, it definitely it, it made me, you know, physically ill. I mean, it just made me sick to my stomach because it's just like, God damn it! Like, what what a just what a terrible lot in life to you know to yeah. end up that way. And and um, yeah, I it's it's yeah, it, it was really really hard to look at, and and still to this day, I. I Anytime I'm scrolling and I can tell that it's that picture because it's like, you know, he's given the thumbs up in it. I just immediately click out because it's, it's just not something I want to see. And, yeah. you know, people raise, I mean, he, it was obviously very expensive. He raised a lot of money. Uh, uh, Mick Foley, I know, was very, very prominent in trying to get him, you know, money to pay for these medical bills and all this sort of stuff. And um, I think a lot was raised. I, I, you know, I don't know the exact totals, but it, it's, yeah, it, it's a lot of people cared about this guy for sure. I mean, it, it definitely, it wasn't just like this guy was in, you know, complete obscurity and then he passed away and then people said it like even while he was you know dealing with his issues there was a lot of people that really cared about him and really felt very strongly about him and 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 considered him a friend and you know credited him for you know helping them train or helping them learn how to wrestle or you know you know using their their techniques or you know you know studying him or whatnot but yeah it's just a awful awful thing i mean just the outpouring after he died was uh it was pretty prominent so yeah i mean if you're looking for um I guess Rex, I, you know, I would, I would go right to the ring of honor stuff. Um, you know, th- cause you're going to see peak character work as well. Yeah. I'd say and, 2005, I would say the one that I would definitely, and I almost wanted to do it for my CM Punk series, but um, I think it's May, it's either May or June of 2005. It's CM Punk and Jimmy Raven, a steel cage match. I think I was there live. Let me click around to make sure that was in Chicago Ridge. I think it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was there live. Yeah. So that, that awesome. Uh, awesome match. There's a Brian Danielson match I know from 2006. That's, that's really dude, good. That's that you had stepped away. That was February 2006. Yes. And I was at that. And oh, I there you go. One. Hell yeah. That's, that's <laughs> when he got a world title. That's when he got a world title shot yeah. against um, Danielson. Mm-hmm. That was the best Jimmy Rave match I ever saw. Um, you know, and I saw that one from 20 feet away. I would also say, obviously, the AJ Styles feud where they feuded over the Styles Clash, and that would have been 04 or 05. I think 05. Oh right. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, if if you want to, you know, sink your teeth into a feud and 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 a, and a, and a program, um, you know, so that's the stuff I would focus on, and and anything with the embassy is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, peak embassy. Go go oh four oh five yeah oh six embassy if you can, and then uh, try to dig deep and find some of that indie stuff from two thousand fifteen two thousand sixteen. Ask around. Um, ask Dylan Hales. He'll he'll give you. A, a dozen Jimmy rave matches minimum uh, during that era, which, um, you know, it might be hard to find, but I, I would guess that a lot of it is probably on the independent wrestling.tv. I, I don't know that for a fact, yeah. but I, I would guess that a lot. Yeah. Dylan's probably got to ask about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. As somebody who I worked mean, pretty closely with him for years. So, yeah, I mean, they worked to, you know, when Dylan was breaking into uh, wrestling, you know, he worked a lot with Jimmy rave and obviously booked him a ton. You brought up scenic city invitational. 
So uh, he'll know all the the top Jimmy Rave recommendations. And, uh, you know, he even had sort of a Tracy Smothers-like veteran gimmick in those days because he had the whole Jimmy Rave approved thing where the wrestlers would have to impress him and then they'd get his approval and then become part of the stable and all that. So, uh, you know, that that era too is where you're going to find some of his best work as well. Um, you know, there's some stuff with impact, but again, a lot of that time was spent in the undercard comedy team. Yeah. There's, so, I mean, once the bell rang, uh, yeah, that you're, you're losing a lot of, I mean, it's, it's yes, it's Lance Archer and it's Jimmy Rave, but it's, it's, there's not much yeah. to it. Yeah. And they, you know, and they were over for their spot on the card. Uh, now he did do some single stuff before that with TNA. Um, and you know, before they put those guys in that team and everything, I, he was, a X division guy. Um, it's hard to remember. That's a blurry. That's era. a very blurry area of, of, <laughs> of impact. And I'm not sure it's an era that you really want to go back and, and watch much of, unfortunately. So, um, but yeah, those, those would be, uh, my Rex. I'm going to pull up. Do you have his cage matchup? I, I did. I, I, I closed, but I can get it right back up. All if right. you need, I just go to my history. What would you want to look up? All, all I wanted to know was if he ever stepped foot in a WWE ring. As uh, a- okay. So I know I read that earlier. He did. He did a, um, don't know if it actually aired or not. He yes, okay. Sunday Night Heat. He uh, he lost to Chris Masters in uh, March fourteenth, two thousand five, against Chris Masters uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, an episode of course, of, it was so. in Atlanta, Georgia, so that's why they used them. Uh, I, I think he came to the uh, the master lock. I would guess he did not pass the master lock challenge. I would guess on that night. So. Two thousand five. That's well into the ROH run. Yes. Yeah. 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 So that'd be an interesting match to watch to see. Uh, it is available. If you just look up Chris Masters, Jimmy Rave, uh, it, it, it pops up right away. YouTube? Uh, yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and like I said, he did have the 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 New Japan tour. I know he worked the best of the Super Juniors. I don't know how how often he got over to Japan otherwise. He worked Dragon Gate, right? He worked Dragon Gate, I think, too. Ooh, that I don't know off the top of my head. I, I know he, I know he did DGU. No, yeah, he did. Yeah, there's a bunch. Yeah, 2007. Yeah, he's there a bunch. He would have been. He's with the Muscle Outlaws. Yeah, that's right. He would have been when like, uh, I'm trying to think like, uh, like when Seidel would have been there. Yeah, who was that... that guy from? Who was that big dude from California who never made it? But he was in. Uh, you might, you might not know this actually. Because I think this is before you started following Dragon Gate. Because this would have been 2008 or seven or something. But there was a guy from from uh, the West Coast, I think. And he was a big dude. And he really stood out because he was a big dude. And he did a bunch of... Um, this is way off topic, I guess. But it was around the same time that Jimmy Rave was there, I think. Um, you know, Case Lowe was going to listen to this in three days. Okay, I, I think I know who it is. I don't know who this guy is. His name was Muscle Gang. Babby Slim, Slim. Yes, that's the guy. Yeah, I, I I know nothing of this guy, but he is a big dude. <laughs> he is a monster. That's the guy, and I was, I, and I hadn't. Yeah, baby, about baby that. Slim. Uh, there's yeah. a bunch of other names here, but I think Baby Slim is the one that he seems most prominently uh, known as. I haven't thought about him since 2007 until this Jimmy Rave topic came. He was an early PWG guy, like before it really exploded, as. Uh, baby slim i believe so yeah that was the era of uh that was jimmy rave sort of when he toured dragon gate i don't know um 
how often he went. Again, he probably only did a handful of tours. Uh, it looks like July but... 2006, September 2006, and then July of 2007, and that was it. Yeah, so a couple tours. Like New Japan, a couple tours. Right, and then when, he, then when we went into Impact, then the New Japan-Impact relationship got him there for the best of the Super Juniors in the Junior Tag Tournament. And then uh, then he did some Rinka King in uh, 2001, uh, 2011 oh, as well. King, huh? Did some Rinka King, so yeah, uh, hey... Plug for uh, you got to be kidding me on the uh, Voice Wrestling Podcast yeah. Network. They're going through Rinka King right now on their uh, their Patreon. So you mentioned Dragon Gate USA. That I don't remember. I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. I yeah, I don't know that. I don't uh, off the top of my head. I'm thinking that he was there, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was. Uh, just one shot. Uh, April of 2011. It would have been uh, a shot. Uh, North Carolina and Georgia. They did a, a, a well, tour. That makes there, sense, so, doesn't yeah. it? That makes a lot of sense that you would use him there. Um. Yeah, I don't have any recollection of that. Those North Carolina DG USA shows and Evolve shows were, <laughs> oh my god, they would have like six people. I, just... I know. At the Mid Atlantic Sportatorium in Burlington, North Carolina, yeah, there was like seven people <laughs> watching. You know, it's the rookie doy. <laughs> just there's no. It got, there. it got yeah. real bad, like with Evolve, but yeah, oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know how bad it was in like 2010 or whatever, but he would keep going back to North Carolina and there would never be anybody there. It was real depressing, but, um, but yeah, Jimmy Rafe, you know, sad stuff. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I guess speaking of, uh, of sad stuff and, and relating it to ring of honor, uh, ring of honors, final battle. We watched that uh, pay-per-view last weekend. Uh, we are a review up at uh, voices of wrestling.com and, we said last week that we're not going to do a eulogy of Ring of Honor yet until it's officially announced that they're done. Uh, I don't want to do that eulogy yet because they have not officially announced they're done. But, Joe, this did not appear to be a company that's surviving and coming back in, in March or April or whatever. I don't know. The, the thought that I have is this is this thing's done. And this thing is, is – people are very careful about their words and trying not to say, you know, was or – you know, uh, whatever whatever it is going to be in the future, but like even Ian Riccoboni would say, "Oh, this person's going to be the last tag team champion. This guy's going to be the last TV champion." All this, there was just a lot of weird wording from people that that before you know a couple weeks ago were like, "No, no, no, it's just kind of we're going away hiatus." And I don't know, it, this felt like the final Ring of Honor show. It felt like that's it. And, and if so, it was a, a really fun show. I enjoyed the hell out of it. But um, I don't know. Well, I'm going to save the eulogy until it's official. But uh, this this definitely felt like this might be it for ring of honor. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the show, they ran the graphic that said coming back in April, but you're right. The way that everybody spoke, the way that everyone behaved, they, they took a class photo at the end and sent it out on Twitter. Um, they ran angles indicating that they may be writing people off or it did have a vibe of this, is the end. It definitely did. So the people involved, I don't think, get the idea that it's coming back. Or maybe they don't get the idea that they're coming they're, back. And that's what I was going to say. It might be a very – that they don't, nobody knows if they'll be back. So for them, this is it. And for yeah. them, this is the end of the company. If they do come back, okay, whatever. But they wanted to have that cathartic moment where they said, okay, this I'm, I'm bidding adieu to this company. You know, someone, someone like Ian who, who has put years into this company. Caprice Coleman put years into this company. You know, Jonathan Gresham, up and down the card, people that have put years into this company. Kenny King, uh, probably the most prominent one uh, on the show. Uh, Rhett Titus, the same way. Like, those guys all felt like maybe for them they're closing this door. 
and maybe it's a door they'll open or maybe they're ready. Maybe they needed this moment to say, you know what? Ah, you know what? Even if it does come back, I'm, I'm trying to move on to other things. I'm using this as the end of my ring of honor run and whatever happens to them in the future is, is whatever happens to them. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of emotions watching this. I'm watching the show and they drew a nice crowd. I mean, what there's 12 or 1500 people there. And it really had me thinking, you know, shit, you know, this is what Ring of Honor would have looked like over the past two years if if not for the pandemic. Um, because Ring of Honor was a really hard watch when they came back from the pandemic and they were mostly running in, in that empty studio in Baltimore. I think it was in Baltimore, that, that empty studio. I could be wrong on the city. Um, you know, they ran a couple shows in front of crowds, but they kind of gave up on that. And then they were just running in that empty studio. And it was just like watching... It was like watching someone die or something die. Yeah, it felt like it was on life support for like a year and a half, basically. Yeah, and I'm watching this show with a hot crowd and a big crowd by Ring of Honor standards. I mean, what was the official attendance for this? Because I'm going to put this in perspective. <sighs> Let me see if I can get it that. It was well over a thousand. Yeah, it was, a, it was a healthy, healthy crowd. Let me see. I don't know if they have an official attendance, but let me see if I can find that for you real quick. I think they did about 14, 15, maybe a little less than that. Somewhere between twelve and fifteen hundred. My point here, though, is uh, uh, it says here cage match has it at sixteen twenty. Wow! Wow! The hell of a number. <laughs> That's a hell of a number. So it was a big time arena too. It's, it's you know what I mean it's not like this little it's not a you know a, a soundstage. It was you know the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena or whatever. I mean, it's, it's a, that's the university of Maryland, right? Isn't that where they play? Uh, or uh, MB, uh, UMBC, UMBC. UMBC. Yeah. Right. UMBC with Georgetown beat last week, by the way. Um, yeah. UMBC 60 over 1600. Now I like how how you're Georgetown and you're now taking, you know, Hey, yeah, we beat UMBC just so you know, you're Georgetown. You should be beating UMBC. Come on. What happened to the Hoyas? Are you kidding me, Joe? I completely agree. Ewing's got to go, but come uh, what's happened to my Hoy? Where's Alonzo? Is Alonzo morning walking through that door? What are we doing? UMBC? We're taking, you know, we're, we're pumping our chest because we beat UMBC. Come on. Rich, you know, UMBC beat number one seed Virginia in the NCAA. I do. I do remember that, but still you're Georgetown. Come on. Uh, no, I, well, we used to be Georgetown. It's, uh, here's what needs to happen, Rich. Ewing has to go and they have to finally just cut all ties with the John Thompson era. It just has to end and they have to move on. You know, John Thompson is one of the greatest coaches of all time. And we all know that. And then Craig Escherich, his assistant coach took over and did a terrible job. Then John Thompson, the third took over and did a pretty good job at first. You know, he got to a final four. He got to a couple sweet 16s. I have no problem with John Thompson, the third, but his time ran out too. And that Princeton offense, the game moved on, Rich. Oh, yes. Yeah, back cuts were not uh, as in vogue as they were in 1985. Yeah. 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 Slow it down and let's get some solid back cuts. Uh, That doesn't quite work as much in the uh, modern game. JT3 running Pete Carrill's Princeton offense with Georgetown athletes worked real well the first five or or six years. Um, but the game moved on, and, and he had trouble recruiting, and he had to go. And now you bring in Ewing, who's still part of this whole thing, and it's just not working. Ewing is, you know, too many 
transfers and not even because of the portal, just because he's too much of a hard. Ewing is one of these guys who will bench you for three games because your shoe was untied. Like he's just, he doesn't relate to the modern college athlete Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a problem. And he also doesn't play modern basketball. He wants to run up and down the floor and uh, he doesn't want to take threes. And it's a whole thing. This isn't uh, voices of college basketball, but my feeling is Pat Ewing has to go and they need to cut ties with the Thompson era and hire somebody, hire a Nate Oates who knows something about modern basketball, hire someone like that. You're not going to get Oates at this point because his next stop is going to be a blue blood. He's going to go from Alabama to, we all know that, but get someone of that ilk and just change. The program has to move on from the shadow of John Thompson. The man is dead. It's time to move on. So there's my Georgetown rant. How about that? But uh, Uh, Someone wants a quick primer, David, in the chat room real quick. Uh, Why are you a Georgetown fan? I don't know. When I was a kid, I liked them. Same reason I like. Yeah, same same people. reason Joe's a Reds and Rams fan from New Jersey. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, when you're when you're a seven or eight year old kid, Georgetown is the coolest team in the world. Yeah, badass jerseys, badass arena, badass players. Yeah, they, they were badass cool as hell. attitude. Yeah, badass coach. Um, you know, so it's real easy to root for. Pat Ewing and Sleepy Floyd and David Wingate and 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 those teams, and then you have Alonzo Mourning and Dikembe Mutombo and and that whole group, and then Allen Iverson. I mean, you know, so when you're a little kid, it's real easy to be a fan, and that's right when the Big East was, you know, formed and coming up, and it was just, you know, college basketball. Oh, and- Big East, the Big East at that. There's a thirty for thirty. If you want some education yeah. on that, you're trying to get there. There's a uh, requiem for what is it called? Requiem for the East or whatever the hell. Yeah, the Big East thirty for thirty. Yeah, it's, it's just incredible. Yeah, it, it lets you know what that thing was, and I mean that, that was the hottest ticket at Madison Square Garden for a couple of years. It's just an unbelievable powerhouse it's, that that conference was. Yeah, it, it just you know it 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 changed college basketball in terms of television coverage. I mean, it's just you know when you're a little kid. Growing up in the Northeast, where college basketball is a big deal, and Georgetown's the coolest thing going, so that's how I, you know, the Rams. It was because of Eric Dickerson. I thought Eric Dickerson was just the coolest athlete on the planet with the goggles and the, and the way that he ran. And uh, the Reds, I I don't know. I just I, I don't even know why I'm a Red. I just I, it happens when you're so little, you don't even remember anymore. All I knew is I didn't want to. I wanted to fade my father. My father was a Yankee fan, so I wanted to be different than my dad. That's all. And for whatever reason, I picked the Reds, but um. Anyway, that's my joy. The problem, Rich, is that they ran the table in the Big East tournament last year and made the NCAAs, so that's going to buy Ewing a couple years here. So he made the tournament. He got a five-star recruit, their first five-star recruit since probably Greg Monroe. So it's it's going to buy him a couple years. And, you know, we're stuck with this guy for like two or three more years. Yeah, sorry. But – uh you know, it's 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 yeah, it's a disaster. What was I talking about? Oh, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. They play. They they were at the uh, yeah big time arena there, UMBC. UMBC. So, um, oh, sixteen hundred. Fa- this is what this is the yeah, point. Sixteen twenty. Sixteen twenty was the number. And this is not meant to disparage Game Changer Wrestling, but I make the same point when I talk about New Japan. Rich has Game Changer ever drawn sixteen hundred fans? I don't know that they have, and they're considered like the hottest promotion. And you know what I mean? Like, so. Again, I'm not putting down Game Changer. I'm giving perspective. This was a really healthy crowd, you know. So, uh, you know, Hammerstein holds what 2,200. So, Game Changer is going to do 2,200 and have their biggest crowd ever. Ring of Honor just drew 1,600 fans, 1,600 plus. So, I'm watching this with a big crowd and a hot crowd, 
And I'm just thinking, man, this could have been what Ring of Honor was the last couple of years. And they, they, they spent money. They had a real roster. And, man, the pandemic just – Rich, remember at the beginning of the pandemic, we talked. We said this thing is going to kill some promotions. Well, here you go. This is the this is their most high pro- this is COVID nineteen's most ho- high profile victim. Yeah, in, Ring of Honor, uh, in terms sure. of promotions and pro wrestling, it killed Ring of Honor. To whatever extent you want to credit the pandemic, it certainly had, you know, it's part of the reason. Oh, I mean, my, I think the I mean, when you look at what Ring of Honor was before that, I mean, we came out of the show, you know, in in February of 2020 or whatever, talking about this is the company to keep an eye on, and you know, for all the reasons that we said it, you know, it seems so ludicrous now, a year and a half later, but we're like, oh, Marty Skrull's coming in, and they were spending big money on stuff too, you know what I mean? They were signing guys left and right, getting Roosh, getting Brody King, you know, Marty Skrull was coming in, like they they had felt like they had all the momentum to get, you know, become the de facto number three company in you know, America and become one of the, the, the bigger, and they were doing stuff like digitally that I really liked as well. They were improving their website. They were improving their YouTube video. They were use, improving their social media. It was like, oh man, this is a force to be reckoned with. And boom, in, in, in a matter of months, both for Marty's reasons and for the pandemic and for many, many other things, it's just, yeah, it was done. And, and, and they were, you know, they played the long game. They said, we'll wait this thing out. We'll wait this thing out. We don't want to risk anything. We'll stay away. We'll pay you guys. And then it just be- Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill came too long to keep people away and it just became too okay we need to bring everybody back but we're going to test everybody and we're going to do these tapings and and they were the most careful while other companies were fucking around and doing whatever they could possibly do ring of honor was careful the entire time and saying no no no, let's let's be careful about this thing let's play the long game and unfortunately covid you know outlasted them and it's still fucking here you know and and they thought that hey by you know the end of 2020 or midway through 2020 things will be in better shape and then we can come back and you know now we're we're, we're talking about you know still End of we're wrapping up 2021 with it, you know, arguably as as bad as it ever has been. So great, yeah, awesome. Yeah, and then eat at Arby's, by the way. <laughs> and then the uh, the other thing I'm thinking watching this show is just it really sunk in that Ring of Honor was gonna this was gonna be it. And some of the best times I've had going to wrestling shows were going to Ring of Honor shows during the peak. And uh, I have vivid memories of tons of those shows. Um, and tons of the, and all these great legendary matches that I saw happen right before my eyes in the Inman Sports Club in Edison, in Hammerstein Ballroom, in Philadelphia, in, in multiple different buildings in Philly, whether it was the Armory or, or the ECW Arena or wherever else, in Houston, Texas, WrestleMania weekend 2009 with the, uh, you know, the Davey Richards-Kenta match and the, the, the Roderick Strong-Katsuhiko-Nakajima uh, match and, and the fire alarm going off and 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 then later era Ring of Honor shows in that in that building in San Antonio where I you know I saw ACH and Jay Lethal tear the you know tear the house down um, in a match in San Antonio going to all those shows going to the first batch of HD Net television tapings in Philly not that you know those were great shows but I remember being with uh, my friend at those shows at the first HD Net taping and with the non-licensed music and the... Oh, yeah. I was at one of the first ones, too. And that, that unfortunately, was the moment that I stopped really, like, 
it, it almost overnight was like my love of Ring of Honor was was, was sapped away, and like it, it always kind of. I mean, I was always pretty into the company, but yeah, it was HDNet where the first time we were like, oh, this is a different animal. This is not yeah. the company that I had been watching over the last five years, and 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 yeah, I was I was front row for pretty much every Frontier Field out Chicago Ridge show from I don't know mid two thousand five up into. 2010 maybe i think you know for about five or six straight years i was yeah. every single show every intermission me and my friends would get up get in that line buy the front row tickets again do it all over again every single every single time yep yeah and i remember turning my friend and i turning to each other at that taping and we're like this is just it's dead it's it's over this isn't what it was you know and, um, yeah, I remember on that one HD net, there was, I forget who it was, it was a really, really good match. And I was like, holy shit, here we go. It's like Davey Richards versus X or whatever. And it was like three minutes, it was like four or five minutes long because it was a TV match. Yeah. No, it was just like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, because like, you know, a month prior, a year prior, Davey Richards and, and whoever, Eric, let's say Eric Stevens, whoever, you know, just name a name or whatever. They would have went in there and went for 22 minutes and a bunch of kickouts and, you know, we'd slap the barricades and, you know, it'd be the – and then, yeah, they went in there and they had, like, a perfectly acceptable four-minute TV professional wrestling match. And I was just like, fuck, this thing's over. God damn it. What happened? Yeah, yeah. And I remember that first taping. It was at the ECW Arena and they brought Danielson back out at the end and played Final Countdown because, you know, the tape wasn't rolling anymore. And – because they knew like the whole the tone in the building was yeah. like this is a funeral and they brought him back out and played final countdown but and that's probably the last time well well yeah them well i don't know when that houston show no was. i'm pretty sure funeral. because i i i was on the uh the um, quote-unquote final countdown tour and those were those hd net uh shows as well because they did the same thing after the show they yeah. they turned the house lights on and then turn it back off and then play Final Countdown to let people yeah. know, okay, we're done with the TV part, so do whatever you guys want to do for the next half of this show. But, uh, yeah, yeah. No, that was definitely... Just generic rock music for everyone coming out. It was just the whole th- thing had changed. But there were other, like, you know, I mentioned some other late-era shows that, you know, once they got past the HD net thing, it kind of felt not like the old Ring of Honor, but a different Ring of Honor. that was, And they had their good periods during those later years. Um, look, there was the WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans where they had at the time was there and might still be their biggest attendance ever in that building in, uh, just outside of New Orleans in Louisiana. I remember being at that show where, um, Marty Skrull and I guess who would he face Cody? They just wouldn't take it home. And it was just, um, everybody groaning at the kickouts. Like, Oh, just end this match. <laughs> sounds um, about right. Yeah. Sounds like Marty. Sounds like Marty and Cody. <laughs> There was a, uh, uh, a the security guard in our section. We were all on our feet and in the co- and like want, like trying waiting to leave. Like everyone was on their feet and out of their seat and drifting towards like the hole that leads to the concourse. And the security guard in our section was getting mad at the kickouts. It's <laughs> like I want to go home. <laughs> yes, this poor man wanted to go home. He wasn't a wrestling fan, but he picked up on okay when this is over, I get to leave. You know what I mean? And he was like agitated and he was like, motherfucker. Every time one of them would kick out and then Skrull's going under the ring for a bag of powder. And, <laughs> oh my God. It was, it, it was a match that wouldn't end. It was, it was, uh, was that against, I have to look this up now. I don't know if that was against Cody or not, but, uh, I think it was against Cody, but no, it was against da- uh, Dalton castle because Cody wrestled Kenny Omega. And that was the real drawing match. That's what it was. It was Cody Omega, and they were the real main event. But Skrull and Castle went on last because it was the title match. 
and they just wouldn't end that fucking thing. Um, but yeah, I uh, was watching this pay per view and just thinking about all the great times I had at Ring of Honor shows and all the great matches I saw, and and um, yeah, it's kind of, you know it's sad. Ring of Honor was a was a great company, particularly at its peak. I'm glad I, I said we were going to hold off the eulogy, and then you and I just poured our hearts out. But uh, let me tell you, when they are officially dead, when they when when that press release comes up and says Ring of Honor ceases operations, that might be three hours completely. That show where we where we reminisce about and, and remember some ROH guys. So keep a pin in that one. That if you thought that was the eulogy, I promise you that is not the eulogy. It's going to be a lot longer when it when it ends up happening because I have a lot to say about Ring of Honor and how it shaped me as a wrestling fan and probably kept me as a wrestling fan because I don't think I do this show without Ring of Honor. I don't do this show without going to Ring of Honor and saying, "Wait a minute, what the hell is going on?" I don't go to I you know I'm not still doing this show if I don't have a buddy who sends me DVDs and says, "Hey, there's another company and they're doing good stuff. I promise. Watch this." And and you know, sent me CM Punk doing the promo and then the CM Punk Raven dog a dog collar match and you know. Uh, you know, several stuff like that that I was like, oh, never mind. Okay, never mind. This wrestling is, is fine. Wrestling is still going to be pretty awesome. So, um, yeah. When that officially, when that official news comes, then that will be that show. And I, I, like I said, I cannot, I can't promise that it's not going to be three hours of us doing Ring of Honor uh, retrospective. But listen, I can't tell you that I'd be a wrestling fan today if it wasn't for Ring of Honor. I, I, I do think Ring of I Honor. Think pretty definitively, I would not be. I, I really, I, I was done. I was, I yeah. was pretty done by two thousand. Three, I was pretty well done. Yeah, wrestling wasn't what I wanted it to be anymore, and Japan wasn't exactly on fire in those days. And yeah, I think I think Ring of Honor kept the flame burning for me, and I do not think I I probably would have moved on after ECW. And you know, you know, I wasn't an Attitude Era guy, and it took a while for me to start watching. WWE on a regular basis again after that shit and WCW and ECW dying. Yeah, Ring of Honor, without question, kept the flame burning for me as well. So I, I don't think we're sitting here doing this if not for Ring of Honor. Nah, That's no. true. No way. Because either one or both of us would have dropped out of the hobby. So, um, yeah, just a great promotion at its peak. And I've been watching a lot. Of, ever since I watched this pay-per-view, I've been going back and watching stuff. Um, I watched the first show for the first time and since probably the first time I watched it. You want to talk about the Wokes aren't going to like Oh, the Wokes are not going to like about uh, the first yeah. two years and the first... The, the, the Wokes are not going to like any of the undercards for the first year and a half, two years of Ring of Honor, My basically. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the, the three-way main event. On the first show, and um, yeah, Rich, there were two people. There were two people who wrestled on the first show, who wrestled on this possibly last show. Do you know who they are? Oh, okay, okay. I'm not looking. I, I have not looked. Yeah. Um, I believe it would have been. I think Jay Lethal was on that show. No. No, shoot! It wasn't Jay Lethal. It wasn't. He wasn't Hydra then. Uh. Was Rhett already there? No way. Nope. Huh. It was Jay Briscoe. Jay Briscoe. And Homicide. Oh, duh. Okay, okay. Now, there was a third man on the show that wrestled on the last show, was on the first show and wrestled on the last show, but could not wrestle on the first show. Mark Briscoe. There. Mark Briscoe. Mark Briscoe. Yeah. That's right. He was 17, <laughs> so he couldn't do it. 16. Or 16, yeah, right. They let him wrestle at 17, right? Or... 
Right. So the the commission wouldn't let him wrestle at 16, but he did corner Jay against Amazing Red. And Jay Briscoe and Homicide were the two people who wrestled on both the first and possibly the last show. Now, there's other people who showed up on the last show in video tributes that wrestled on the first right, show. Right, your Daniel Sins, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the two guys, and I guess the asterisk for Mark Briscoe, he'd be the third. He was there, but yeah, not yeah. wrestling. But um, yeah, no doubt. Peak ROH, it doesn't get much better than that. I mean, for me as a fan, it's peak ROH, peak ECW, peak All Japan, peak New Japan, peak Noah. Those are my jams. And I put peak Ring of Honor right with all those others. Those are the promotions that shaped my fandom and late eighties WWF, of course, you know, when you're impressionable child and, you know, late eighties WWF, which was actually pretty good anyway, honestly. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, um, that's what, that's what shaped my fandom today. And I don't, I don't know that, you know, I think new Japan has passed that peak now. And I don't know that I have a promotion like that today, a tent pole promotion. AEW is close, but I don't think they're there for me. They're close, though. And they could get there. But I don't put them on that same pantheon level. Do you have promotion periods of promotions that shaped you as a fan? Yeah, Ring of Honor. Uh, definitely that, uh, like I said, I'd probably say the 2005 to 2007 era of Ring of Honor, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, for me, New Japan in the, um, you know, 2012 to 2016, I'd say probably. I would be that run there. And then uh, I'd say WWF, like, you know, 1996, 1997, WWF and WCW. I uh, started obviously losing a little bit in 1998, even though, like, as a kid, I loved 1998. But, like, looking back, like, yeah. I really, I like, my fandom really became what it was in 97. And that's when I really, like, liked, you know, you know, going back, like, that's the year that I liked. And I know why I liked it now, because it was, like, good as fuck. And, like, I knew that, like, 98 was, like, popular. And I knew that there was stuff I didn't like because I knew, you know, deep down, like, eh, this stuff's kind of crappy. But, you know, it, 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 you know, worked for the time period. But, uh, yeah, I'd say those are probably the big ones there, that Ring of Honor. Uh, I, I'd, yeah, I'd say probably simply Ring of Honor 2005 to 2007 and, and New Japan 2012 to 2016 are, are the two definitive ones in my life. Where's AEW with you right now? Um, it, it, It's there. It, it's definitely there. I don't know that I put it on those pantheons just yet, and it's probably because I'm now it's quote-unquote a job for me, and now I'm a little bit older. Like, I mean, AEW's really, really good. I love I love Lolly Wrestling, but it's like, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to judge it because these days I'm, I'm it's such a different animal for how well, I watch I don't wrestling. I did it with... We were di- we were there for New Japan. Yeah, but a lot of that, like that 2012 run, were still it's you and I just doing it for you know 30 people yeah. listening to the show. Like it really until that late stage 2016 2017 was like that's when it really felt like we were doing the show like as a quote unquote job or whatever. And and now it feels like a full fledged thing. But um, yeah, see AEW for me, I really like it. It I don't feel like it doesn't make me feel like those other places made me feel. That I that I mentioned. I, have you gone to any live AEW shows? Because I will say the, the feeling live is is pretty awesome. Like w- when we walked into Dynamite uh, a couple weeks ago, that was pretty incredible, and it just had like a, a yeah. really really cool feel to it. I, I think I haven't been to a live show um, that's more pandemic related than anything else, but um, because I was scared to do things longer than most people, I think I hid in the house longer than a lot of people did. But um, I, I, I don't know. I don't feel like 
AEW is hitting me in my soul the way those other promotions did. And, you know, the Noah thing is tied into Ring of Honor because I followed Noah in a lot, sort of at the back end of Noah's run when they were cooling off through the Noah DVDs that I would buy at Ring of Honor's merch tables, those English language DVDs. I was getting those at Ring of Honor shows. And that was sort of towards the end of Noah's hot run. But, man, I remember running to those merch tables to see if they had the latest Budokan Hall show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was a gateway to that, too. And, and to me, it was, a, it, was, it was an early gateway to Japanese wrestling more than I really knew it was because, you know, I was on those shows. And there's Takeshi Morishima. There's Kenta. There's uh, Naomichi Mirafuji. And, like, yeah. And then, you know, later that would become the DG guys and, and get me into Dragon Gate a little bit. And I wouldn't fully become, like, a, a huge, huge fan of them at that point yet. But, um, no, it, it opened up the door to me watching some Japanese wrestling, not getting full into it, but, 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 but understanding some of it and, and, and getting a few of the DVDs and some of the other stuff too. So I think AEW has a chance to get there for me, but I, I, it just doesn't give me mm-hmm. that feeling the others did yet. I really like it though. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know if I'm like, I might be too old now. <laughs> like I might be too deep uh, yeah. into the fandom. I don't know. I'm not sure. We'll see. I, I'll, I'll probably possible. be able to give you a better answer in a couple of years when. The only reason I say no is because the New Japan thing was so – was like it felt like it was yesterday. And I, I mean – so I don't know if it's, oh, I've grown out of being attached to a promotion. Because I, I mean I really – that New Japan period is – I put it right there with the others and well into adulthood at that point. But I see what you're saying. It's, it's – it, 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 it kind of feels like a job sometimes to watch the stuff and talk about it. I, I understand what you're saying. And again, we don't, I know you don't want anyone to think that, you know, you're breaking rocks. No, but. no. Yeah. It's, it's pretty easy, but yeah, it was, it's a different animal to just go to ring of honor, yeah. be in the front row, drink some beers, slap some barricades, you know, like that's all I did. I didn't, you didn't, you didn't have to have a take. No, nobody cared what my take was. I was just like, fuck yeah. You know, Kenta's in the ring. He's awesome. Cool. Let's slap some barricades. Let's go. You know, I watch a, you're right though. We watch this stuff and, in the back of your mind, you you you're, you have to put together takes. You have to like we have to have a take, and it does kind of take something a little bit off of it. You know, I've gotten better though at watching wrestling for pleasure. I've been watching a lot of like for instance, I've been watching 1979 Mid Atlantic. Why? I don't know. Who cares? Who it cares? It doesn't matter why. Yeah, so I'm watching through 79 Mid Atlantic, and I'm just I just kick back on the couch, and I I don't have to have a take, Rich. All I have to do is fucking is watch it and just either enjoy it or, or mock it because it sucks. And, you know, and, I, and and there's a lot of things like that I'm watching now. And, and, and you know, it, it, it is a little different than when I watch Dynamite. I have to have my fucking notebook out and I have to make sure I'm paying attention to every segment. You know, uh, a lot of people listening, you watch Dynamite, you're probably like, ah, I don't care about, you know, fucking the bunny or fucking proud and powerful whoever it is you don't like on the show like you can go make a sandwich or take a shit i gotta fucking sit there and take so i see what rich is saying like it does kind of remove the innocence a little i don't know if that's the best way to put it but it's like you have to pay attention you have to have a take and you know it it, it does make it a little bit different. right i have to i have to think of why i'm enjoying something i have to think of why i'm having joy whereas back in the day it was like I don't know. It's just fucking rules. You know, I don't know. Davey Richards is doing a suicide dive and he just, his head hit the fucking barricade. I don't know why, but it rules. So, you know, it, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a different animal versus, oh, why did I like this match? Or what's the spot? Or yeah, having to have, you know, 
then recap it, you know, a week later or write it down or, or review it or whatever. Yeah, it's just a whole different animal to do that. So Yeah, knowing that people are going to want to know what you think, there's some pressure there. And again, again, we're not, you know, it's not not saying it's an important job or anything or it's strenuous, but there's some pressure there, um, you know, uh, relatively speaking to where you can't just kick back and, and, yeah. and enjoy it the same way you used to. So I, I kind of see what you're saying, but. Uh, so congratulations to us on not eulogizing Ring of Honor and then doing it for 50 minutes. So <laughs> yeah, well, it, it could be the only opportunity. You know what? It, yeah, you know, I, I will. I will try to do it. We'll, we'll probably do it a little bit more at length when they announce it. But uh, anyway, let's. Uh, we'll quickly go through final battle. Never announce it. They maybe they won't. Us, yeah, exactly. They might leave us hanging. You know? So that's why you said we, this might have to be the opportunity where we do it because who knows? Who the yeah. hell knows what's going on uh, in the future with them? But uh, this was Ring of Honor's final battle, 2021. I thought it was a fun as hell show. Uh, there was some stuff I didn't love. There was some things that didn't quite uh, land with me, but I think most of the stuff on the show I really enjoyed. Uh, there were a few matches that really, really stood out to me and probably not the ones you, you think uh, stood out to me, but uh, I think it was a pretty damn good showcase. Uh, if this is it for Ring of Honor, I think the video packages with you know CM Punk and Brian Danielson and, and and I forget who else sent them in, but like you know the people that sent them in really, I mean it just kind of it, it worked well. They had guest announcers, you had Kerry Silken in there who was a, willing to do commentary for a little bit, but then wanted to go watch the match, so he just bounced halfway through yeah, in perfect Kerry yeah. Silken fashion. Or he wanted to go make a bet, which he he kept he kept referring to making bets the entire time he was on commentary. So maybe he was like, I gotta go check on something. I'll be right back, guys. So. Carrie's a ticket scalper. Carrie, is old... Carrie is Carrie to the end, man. I love yeah. that man. Yeah, old school wrestling fan, ticket scalper. I'm sure he was making some bets. What night was this? Saturday night. Saturday. He said something about DraftKings, and then said, "All right, guys, I gotta go," and then just left halfway through the match. Who knows what he had going on? Who knows but, uh, what parlay he was running there? But uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I have there's... a friend. I have a friend who cannot stand Carrie Silken, and you're gonna love the reason why. Why? So we would go to these shows. Yeah. And you probably experienced the same Oh, I, I was I was about to say I've probably sh- I've I've I probably shaken Carrie Silken's hand more than I've sh- I've shook anybody else's hand ever. I mean and that guy exactly and you would sit there and he'd he'd shake your hand the whole time as he talked to you, "Hey, did you enjoy the show? Hey, what you what was your favorite match?" Which I'm like, "All right, Carrie, I got to go." Like, you know. That's right where I was going and I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, this yeah. is why my friend cannot stand Carrie Silken and still brings him up to this day whenever he brings us up. So as Rich noted, Carrie Silken would Hawaiian stand shirt and all would, would stand by the door, stand by the exit and shake everybody's hand and ask you if you enjoyed the show for a long time too. As he's asking you about the show, he's shaking your hand the entire time. Yeah. And if you're, and if you're willing to talk, he'll fucking, yeah. yeah oh, he'll say, I've had 10 minute conversations with Carrie Silken for sure. So this is why my friend doesn't like him though, because my friend picked up on something and I, and, <laughs> and it's right. It's when the show wasn't so good. When the show wasn't good, you couldn't find this guy with his church <laughs> party. That Hawaiian and shirt? Where, where's Gary? I can't find couldn't him. find this man with a compass if the fucking show wasn't good. If there was some Age of the Fall angle that didn't get over. Oh, I was there for the Age of the Fall blood angle. You think Gary was out there asking everybody how the show was after that one? No. No one's shaking hands and kissing babies after that show. Okay. So my friend is like, this guy's a fraud. He's only, <laughs> sure. He's like, all right, sure. When Brian Danielson and Takeshi Morishima have a five star match, he wants to shake everybody's hand. <laughs> but when the show stinks, yeah. you can't find this guy with a fucking search party. So uh, I still have a friend who, to this day, at any mention of Carrie Silken, calls the man a fraud and uh, is mad at him because he wouldn't face the music when the show stinks. <laughs> I stuck. think I like him more because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Very shady. Very shady, though. 
But I have nothing against Carrie Silken. He's also an ECW original, or ECW Arena original. So I got to give it up for him uh, from that aspect. Listen, it was me, Tony Khan, Carrie Silken, and Nick Gage just hanging out at the ECW Arena, watching some uh, Sandman uh, and some uh, Public Enemy. You know, so uh, Silken, he's a true wrestling fan. You know, and he goes back to the fucking seventies and. You know, going to all those shows with, uh, you know, with Bruno in, in, in Philly. He's probably been to the Garden a million times. So, um, yeah, but he had to go play some action on DraftKings, and he quickly got out of that commentary booth. So, classic carry. <laughs> I love it. I love him so much. But, uh, yes, he had that. So, I, I thought it was a really fitting show. I thought a really good show. And if it is the final show, I, I think they did a, a pretty damn good job. I think this is, you know, as, as good as you can get with a Ring of Honor show in 2021. And I thought everybody brought their A game, really. I mean, other than... Other than one unfortunate angle, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a bit, pretty much everything else on the show I, 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 I like to some extent. Let's do it. All right. So Dragon Lee and Ray Horos uh, started us off here. 11 minutes. Eh. <laughs> it's Ray Horos, so, as you said. He's fine. Dragon Lee was, was good, but Ray's, you know, Ray. Yeah. Dragon Lee versus the replacement level luchador. <laughs> um, I, I have to say that I, I think – you ever do you ever do a segment on the show and then for the entire week – before the next show, you're mad because you thought the segment sucked. Like, you, I'm sure you do because you're oh, all, all the time. Yeah, every every show, three hours of the show every week. Yes, <laughs> every show, every segment. <laughs> yeah, um, yes. No, I thought our preview for this show was bad because I didn't think I did my homework, and I think that I did a poor job with it because I didn't watch the uh, the go home stuff. I didn't watch the YouTube uh, preview for the pay per view before. I just didn't have time, and and I, I didn't think we did a great preview. But Dragon Lee, they've really treated him lately like someone who is not coming back even if they come back. He lost the tag team titles. Then he lost the TV title. Then they had him lose a match to Jonathan Gresham in like seven minutes on uh, the ROH week-by-week gimmick that they tape in that building. And just the commentary and how Dragon Lee did all these jobs on the way out. They really made it sound like he he's not a guy who's coming back, uh, even if they come back. And I think that this match with Horus was just, okay, he's done all of these jobs. Now let's send him out with a win. So I kind of think that's what this was. It wasn't an important match on the show. He had already dropped all his titles. They weren't pushing him anymore. They made it clear that Gresham was a level ahead of him when Gresham beat him a week before the pay-per-view. So I think that's what this was. Uh, RH World uh, TV title for uh, corner survival match. I really like this. Uh, Joe Hendry came out and he hadn't been around in, in quite a while. He's another guy. And again, like when we talk about the Ring of Honor and the pandemic, I mean, they were, we were screaming about how the Australia region was one to keep an eye on. And that's the region that's going to blow up. That's the next, you know, UK or whatever. And Ring of Honor was, was like top of mind, grabbing guys. Uh, from those reasons, I'm not. I'm, I'm using Joe Henry as just another international guy, but like you know, Slexen and and Adam Brooks, another guy, and like, and they were also yep. getting into the UK scene. They were getting the Australia scene. They were getting the UK scene. They were getting international, and they were like, yeah, they're doing all the right moves, yeah. And Henry's one of those guys that it was like, all right, here we go, and then just burp. <laughs> it's just not yep. there for two years basically. But uh, yeah, he had a, a good look. Uh, this is fun. Uh, Dalton Castle is is I would say pretty toast at this point. I, I don't think he can really do anything and in this match. He really didn't do anything. Um, Silas Young is Silas Young. Uh, pretty good, and and Red Titus, I'm I'm so glad they gave this title, and I mentioned it in the preview that that's what I would have done. I would have given him like the the gold watch on the way out, and they absolutely did that with Red Titus. I, I think he's the perfect guy to have this TV title. If it's the final champion, Red Titus is the perfect guy, a guy that was there for literally like 15 years in that company and did everything, 
everything in that company. So I, I really like that. Yeah, you called it last week. If they were gonna, if the company does fold, I think it's a nice little gold watch that he's the final yeah. television champion. Did you see? He put out that tweet with his wife and his kid. And big oh, he's smile the best. Yeah, he's the best. I love Red Titus. Yeah. So you know that that's and and I hope he lands on his feet somewhere if Ring of Honor doesn't come back. So. Uh, but yeah, you called it, and it, yeah, it, it was the right move. It was the right move to make, for sure. Our ROH Pure title, uh, Josh Woods defeated Brian Johnson by TKO. Brian Johnson, my guy, comes out there, cuts this promo talking about, oh, you know, nobody thought we could exist, and Ring of Honor, you know, we're, we're here, and da 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 he goes, this company sucks, because he's just the best. You know, on the way out, you're thinking, oh, man, Brian Johnson's going soft on the way out. No, no, he's Brian Johnson, man. He's just like, Philadelphia sucks, Baltimore sucks, Ring of Honor sucks, and you're like, hell yeah. yeah. Or no, Philadelphia rules. I, I should say that. Philadelphia rules, because uh, Brian Johnson is Mr. Philadelphia, but uh, yeah, Baltimore sucks, Ring of Honor sucks, this company's stupid. It's just, yeah. I love Brian, Brian Johnson's the best, and, and these guys had a goddamn good match, man. This is a really good pure title match between Woods and, and, and Johnson. Uh, Woods winning the title or, or retaining the title, the right move uh, for sure. But I, I like the hell. I, I thought this match was really, really good. I will always associate Brian Johnson and Dak Draper and Joe Keys and all of these guys, these late era Ring of Honor guys. I will always associate them with the Musketeer and Chili Willy and uh, all of the late <laughs> the Dragon Ball Z guy. guy. <laughs> All the, all the late era ECW guys that died. Oh, I see. Yeah, Chili Willy. Yeah, remember right. Chili Willy? I do remember Chili Willy. Yeah. The Musketeer, and they had the female. What would the Musca and the Muscarette, the, the, the female <sighs> yeah. Musketeer, and um, you know, just that late era ECW. These guys, they were using Chris Hamrick. <laughs> you knew the end was near. Yeah. And yeah, unfortunately, hot community. commodity. You're like, oh boy, these guys are done. <laughs> like this company's done. <laughs> Christian York and Joey Matthews, this isn't going to go well. This isn't good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's kind of what these guys. um, And there were so many guys that never really got out of the ROH kind of developmental program that had just been, um, you know, doing that for years and years, and they never really even got on TV. And I saw a bunch of those dudes selling the T-shirts at this show, and it's like you don't even realize that they were still with the company all this time. But, um, yeah, Brian Johnson's one of those guys for me. But he's going to come up again in this review. Oh, there you go. Hell yeah. Uh, okay, Joe. Fight Without Honor, Shane Taylor, Kenny King. Yeah. You know my thoughts on plunder matches. I'm so sick of plunder matches. I'm so sick of guys hitting each other with shit. I'm sick of guys going through tables. I'm sick of ladders. I'm sick of chairs. This match fucking rocked, though. I love this. This How good was this match? Tell me you love this match. Uh, four and a half stars, sir. Are you kidding? No. Because that's exactly what I'm at. I, I'm telling you, if you have not watched this match, this yeah. is what I, if, if every plunder match was like this, I wouldn't hate plunder matches. These dudes went out there and beat the fuck out of one another. It was a fight that just so happened to have chairs. It was a fight that just so happened to have a ladder. It was a fight that just so happened to go through a table. It wasn't a match that was designed for guys to go through tables or designed for guys to hit each other with chairs. The NXT War Games, the perfect example, the Women's War Games match. They're hitting each other with shit. Why? Why are you hitting each other with kendo sticks? Why are you hitting each other with trash cans? You're just doing it to do it. These guys were fighting each other, and oh wait, here's a chair. Oh wait, here's a table. So I'm going to fucking put you through the table because I want to beat your ass, but the end of the story was I want to beat your ass and this was oh my god I loved this match like I, I honestly it's going to take a lot for me not to have it in my match of the year mix for the top 10 it's not going to be number 1 obviously but I always like to give my number 10 to like a match because I don't want to do number 10 like 
Tomohiro Ishii versus, you know, Hiroki Goto. And it's like, you know, okay, yeah, nobody remembers this, like, random, decent, you know, New Japan. But, like, I always like to find my my number 10 as, like, this, like, unheralded match. A match that I really, truly think belongs on, on, in this type of list and gets a little bit of love. And this might be my number 10 because I loved this fight without honor between Shane Taylor and Kenny King. Yeah, you want to use your number 10 for kind of a uh, – to make sure the match ends up etched in history on our – honorable mentions at minimum somewhere on the list. So people don't forget about it. And I get it. And no, this match was great. I mean, obviously the pile driver through the ladder bridge is the spot that everybody's going to remember. These two guys went out there and were committed to having a great match and stealing the show on this final pay-per-view. And uh, they put their bodies on the line to do it as well. So um, yeah, I thought it was great. Um, you know, I, like I said, I gave it four and a half stars and I thought it was the best match of the night. Uh, only a 3.75 right now on, on grapple. So I, uh, that is criminal. I just changed it. I, I, I hopefully got it up a little bit with my four and a half rating. Cause I just put it in there, but, uh, yeah, it, it, 3.75 is, is absolutely criminal. So yeah, I, I, please fix this show a little bit, please. You know, you know, grapple is so grumpy. It's, it's yeah, what there. more do you want out of this match? These guys went out there for 17 minutes and beat the living hell out of each other. Kenny King, would, would, it felt like Kenny King was like, you know what? I'm kind of done with it. Like, I don't know if this is it for Kenny King. I have no clue what's next for Kenny King. This kind of felt like he emptied the holster and just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm just doing everything I want to. If I never wrestle again, I want this to be my final match. I mean, that was it. It, it, it shows you how good that guy could be and how great. I mean, he's always he's an underrated plunder guy, too. He is a really underrated plunder guy because I, I one of my favorite live Ring of Honor matches was All Night Express versus the Briscoes, and they wh- whooped the hell out of each other going through tables, going through ladders. It was a hardcore match like that, and it was awesome. So, yeah, he's, he's an underrated plunder guy for sure. I got my rating in there now. There we go. So, All right. Uh, we're bumping. I see the rich crates right there. Yeah. There it yeah. is. Let's... We got it up to 3.7. All right. We're working. We're going. We're getting it there. But, uh, so not high enough. enough. Not high enough. But uh, yeah, seven point nine one on the cage match. Okay, they have it listed as the third best match on the show. I guess I can live with it, but I don't agree. No, yeah, definitely. I think it was better than the main event for sure. Um, anyway, we'll get there. Uh, Roxy, who uh, one of the un- unfortunate uh, victims of this Ring of Honor thing, she finally gets her big break and then like literally wins the title. And then the next show, they're like, "Hey, we're we're probably not coming back. We're going away." So yeah. sorry. she'll be all right though. Yeah, I think she's. I mean, she's what like twenty one, twenty two. I mean, she don't yeah. worry about her. She's yeah. a she's a prodi- a prodigal talent, and and she will without question land on her feet. And this is pretty good here. ROH Women's World Title, Roxy defending against Willow. I thought this was pretty good action back and forth. Only went about ten minutes. And obviously, you know, nowhere near the level of of, you know, the, the previous match, but I thought some pretty good action and a match that I, I, I enjoyed. I almost never enjoy Willow Nightingale, but I thought this was um, the best that she's looked. I, that was exactly my take as well. I thought she was really, really yeah. good in this match. And, and, and usually I'm not into her uh, as much Roxy. I, I, I like, and I think Roxy's got a ton of talent. This, yeah, yeah. this was the best performance I've seen probably out of both of these women uh, in, in the, you know, limited matches that I've seen of both, but, but yeah, I really, really like this. Then he had some guys. Big old match here. Rocky Romero and Violence Unlimited. Brody King, Homicide, and Tony Deppin uh, defeat Team Foundation, EC3, Eli Isom, Taylor Rust, and Tracy Williams. Um, I'll be honest. I don't remember anything about this match because all I remember is the post. So um, I think that's all there is to talk about, honestly. <laughs> okay, so sorry to all these guys who went out there and wrestled and did stuff because 
Uh, the post-match of this was EC3 and his weird gyno body <laughs> get the microphone. And he's, he starts talking about, you know, making your own future and eliminating your own past. And you're like, what the fuck is this guy? Why is this guy on the microphone? What is going on? What is happening? And he, he talks about guys and then all of a sudden... Wesley Blake and another guy come out. Who was the other guy? Do we even know? Wesley Blake and some guy. Who was uh, the some guy? Who was the other some guy? Do you know? He's just some geek that's been working the uh, Control Your Narrative shows. Okay, okay. Because even in Rick and Bone, he's like, "Ah, he was doing a hushed tones because they had to like pretend like this is a big deal. He's like, guys, I think that's Wesley Blake. And I don't know who the other guy is. (laughs) You can tell he's racking his brain thinking, oh my God, Ian. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? You know, he's probably feverishly refreshing cage match. Who the hell is this guy? I don't know who it is. You know, whispering to Caprice, do you know who that is? Caprice going, I don't know who that is. So it's like, oh, it's Wesley Blank and I don't know who the other guy is. So that's... He goes by the name Fodder. Ah, okay. Well, he was certainly fodder in this segment yeah. and, and appears to be fodder in uh, uh, his career as well. So uh, essentially EC3 talks for another 15 fucking minutes or whatever. It was probably two, but it, it felt like forever. And then, Joe, it was time for the Titan. Yeah. Braun Strowman appears. Adam Schur. I don't know why. Um, well, they carried off Eli Isom, yeah. Brian Johnson, and um, uh, Draper, right? Dak Draper, because they came out to confront these guys yeah. like, the idea was EC3 was shooting, pew, pew, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they carried those guys Oh, because he, he called them corporate wrestling. Yeah, they, they, yeah, you know, I'm doing it instead of corporate wrestling. I'm doing my own thing. I'm not letting it, you know, yeah. So I presume the idea here is those three guys are going to now be part of the free-to-narrative promotion. Mm-hmm. Or they left the door open for if Ring of Honor does come back where these guys will be like, you know, a heel faction. Because... It's obvious that they're taking these three and they're going to fucking brainwash them or hypnotize them, whatever the fuck, and they're going to be part of this deal now. I mean, that's how I read it. So, um, yeah, and he goes by Weston Blake now. Weston Blake. And then uh, I don't know who Fodder is or where the hell they found that guy, but I guess those three Ring of Honor trainee dudes are going to be part of uh, EC3's deal now with these other guys. I don't know, but it definitely didn't get over. No, it was bad. And then, uh, they, they beat him up. Then they talked for a bunch and then they talked for a bunch. And it was the, the best part of this entire segment was after all this stuff is going on and there's all like just death and destruction and EC3 screaming about corporate wrestling or whatever. It gets really silent in the arena and you just hear one fan go, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yep. I agree. Random person in the crowd. I don't know what the hell's going on either. So, um, yeah. I, I, or I, I am really like... confused or something like that. I forget what it was, but, uh, it's just so weird. We're that... debuting the Titan on, uh, yeah. you know, the final show. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, who would have had that as a prediction that Braun Strowman would be on the final ring of honor show. That's yeah. just, you know, you couldn't pay me to watch these narrative shows. They sound so bad. And I, I saw that our boy Killer Cross is now a part of that, which is ensuring that I'm never going to watch any of their uh, uh, shows. So He stinks. Is he bringing his old lady with him? or what? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That would help a bit, but uh, not enough to make me watch that. So, 
Ah, you're not going to check out the last one for that Paro versus Gentleman Jervis match? Excuse me? Yeah. That was on the Control Your Narrative show? Somebody named William. Uh-huh. Oh, that's that's Dutch from uh, ROH. Okay. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How silly of me to not recognize yeah, his Dutch. Yeah. free the narrative gimmick. So, um, What in the world yeah. is this company? <laughs> but okay. All right. Whatever. Whatever. So that happened. All right. Let's get to the ROH World Tag Team titles here. Uh, the Briscoes versus OGK. Uh, the Briscoes, as they should have done, leave, quote unquote, leave Ring of Honor, the quote, final champions. We don't know what exactly what it was, but they definitely, definitely played it like this is the final one. Uh, the Briscoes win the titles. They beat the OGK. I thought a great moment them winning the titles. The, they're, all their kids are in the audience. All 92 of their children are all in the audience. Oh, who knew Who knew Mark Briscoe was Antonio Cromartie? I mean, oh, good God. They're like, oh, we have some of the uh, Briscoe's family here, and they're panning, and they're panning, and they're panning. I'm like, how many kids does he have? Jesus Christ. And they're all seven. How does he have 12 seven-year-olds? <laughs> yeah, they're all the same. You're right. They're like all the same age. Like, how does that work? I have no idea. Busy man. Busy man, busy wife. But uh, Yes. Anyway, um, yeah, that was awesome. Just a really cool moment. The, the the kids screaming every time their dads do something cool or whatever. It was really fun. But uh, I thought this match was really good. OGK have been uh, really good in my mind. Uh, I don't know. I've turned the corner on them for sure. Uh, we talked about them a little bit last week, that they're just a great team to have. You know, you, you don't need to push them. They don't need to be main eventers. But as a tag team, you know, they're super, super valuable. I thought they were really good in this match. They were busting their ass. The Briscoes were busting their ass. I mean, this is what I talk about with this show, where it felt like everybody brought their A game and just saying, hey, if this is the end, let's go out with a bang. Let's 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 do all we can. Because, yeah, I thought this was way better than it had any right to be. Yeah, I went four and a quarter on this. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly the same, same rating as me. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was the second best match in the show. I think the Briscoes have um, – I do think they've lost something physically from their peak. Um, from a physical standpoint, but I think they're just, they're so much better now at um, who they are as wrestlers and their character work and their, and Jay Briscoe's promos are just ridiculously great. And it's a shame that they couldn't have put all that together at the same time. Not that they're not an all time great tag team because they are, but could you imagine Jay Briscoe promos? I think Jay Briscoe, and I talk about my, my double sliding scale a lot where, your athleticism starts all the way at the top when you begin your career. You're at your, your athletic peak. You're your most athletic. But your wrestling smarts and your understanding of pro wrestling starts all the way at the bottom. And there are two different scales. And as your athleticism slowly goes down as you age, your wrestling brain and your intelligence slowly moves up. And when those two sliding scales meet and are equal – that is when you are peaking as a pro wrestler, when your athleticism meets your smarts. And I think for Jay Briscoe, that was right around when he was getting those singles pushes and he was ROH world champion and all that. What was that, like 2016 or 2015 or so? I think that's when those two sliding scales met for Jay Briscoe. And I think now we're at the point where his athleticism is a little bit below the other, the other scale. And that has now surpassed his – and the same for Mark. I think they're a little past – and they're only in their, like, early to mid-30s because they – like we just noted before, they started when they were teenagers. So they're younger than you think they are. 
Plus, they have all that gray hair. You think of them as older than they are. Oh yeah, Jay Briscoe looks like he's like forty-seven, and he's like thirty-eight. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. It's pretty stupid how young they still are, and how many years of their career they probably still have. Even though, yeah, like you said, physically they're not where they were, you know, fifteen years ago. And I mean, shit, who is? But yeah, Jay is thirty-seven years old. He's got plenty to offer to the wrestling world. Yeah, yeah. Mark, I guess that make him thirty-six. So it's like, you know. And, and by no means am I saying they're washed up. I just think that they – I think they're past their physical peak. They can't do the things they used to do. They probably don't want to do the things they used God, to do. God, no, I wouldn't. You go back and watch Briscoe matches when they were peaking. Go watch their Noah matches or go watch their peak ROH matches. These guys were incredible. And there's a lot of wear and tear on those bodies, but they're so much better at the other stuff now. Like just express – like the way they come across, their crowd connection, their promos – and um, obviously they did the big angle with, with FTR after this match. And I think the Briscoes would absolutely be beneficial if they do end up with, in AEW. But I think it's probably where those matches are going to happen, whether they Briscoes end up officially on the roster or not. And, you know, I still think they have a ton to offer, even though they might not be physically what they used to be. They're still a great tag team, you know? But uh, peak Jay Briscoe, circa 2015-16, man, you go back and watch that stuff, and it's like, you know, there's not many better in the era. Like, everything, that is when those two sort of sliding scales met for him, and he was just incredible during that period of time. Uh, then we have our main event, uh, Jonathan Gresham, uh, Jay Lethal. This is for the vacant ROH World title. Obviously, Roosh uh, not there to uh, defend the title. Uh, Gresham wins on the final night. I, I think a good decision. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I thought, you know, Jay Lethal replacing and, and, and being a guy in the final main event is, 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 was a decent idea, even though he had kind of closed the door in his Ring of Honor career. Uh, he, he still came here and did this. And I think this is a good moment. And like you said, story, we talked about it a little bit last week. Like, storyline-wise, this is a great way to conclude the Jonathan Gresham ROH story, if it truly does conclude this story. Because, yeah, this is a guy who, you know, his kind of understudy that little by little, Gresham was getting better, getting better, getting better, but could never beat him, could never win the big one, could never beat his 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 rival. And then he finally does it here on the final night to win the ROH world title. I mean, it was a really cool moment. The confetti coming down, the streamers flowing, like, really good match and, and a really cool moment. I think the, the, the best way to send off this company, if this is truly is the end. I mean, Gresham, the guy who arguably the, the, the top guy in that company over their last couple of years, uh, for, for better, for worse. And that's nothing against Jonathan Gresham. It's just, you know, given what the circumstances were, it just kind of felt like he was the de facto top guy just because, you know, and, and you didn't know because it was, they weren't in front of crowds. They weren't doing any type of big shows. And it it, it, it stinks. It stinks because, like, you feel like he could have been a really big deal in Ring of Honor because if, if they, they built him up perfectly. They had done some great stuff with him. And you saw it in this moment that that crowd connection was there. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, I think they did a great job building him up for this moment and for him being the final champion and, and, and kind of sending the show off uh, and setting the potentially sending the promotion off. So I, I like this main event a lot. Not my favorite match on the show. I thought it was really good. I went four stars on it, but I, I, I do think that fight without honor, I liked it a little bit better. Yeah, good match, not a great match. We didn't get a chance last week to talk because we didn't know who the opponent was going to be. It was still, Bandito was out with COVID and it was still a mystery opponent. They hadn't decided what they were going to do yet when we talked last week, but um, a lot of people complained or groaned when it was lethal because he wasn't a re- you know like a sexy replacement. I think people had delusions of grandeur thinking that you were going to get Brian Danielson or CM Punk or something. They weren't going to do this match, and 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 you know it, it's uh, because 
I think Gresham was going to win, whether it was Bandito or whoever the replacement was going to be. I think the idea here was to put this title on Jonathan Gresham no matter what. And Jay Lethal was the perfect replacement. Now, a bunch of people complained about it because, again, it wasn't the sexiest of names. But these are people who probably weren't going to watch the show, definitely weren't going to pay for the show, and probably weren't people who have been paying attention to Ring of Honor for the last half decade because Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal was a big, long-running storyline in the company. Gresham had to prove himself against Lethal. They were tag team partners. Then they were rivals. And uh, Gresham finally got that big win over Lethal. This was the perfect replacement if you if you care about the storylines and the canon of the company. Okay, Maybe it wasn't a satisfactory replacement if you're someone who was just going to parachute in and watch it on Baked.Live because you had nothing to do that night. But that's not that shows this show's not for you. This show is for Ring of Honor fans. And for Ring of Honor fans, Jay Lethal was you, if you had to replace Bandito, that's who you needed to Yeah, turn it, to. Ma- it not only made sense in the fact that Jay Lethal was a longtime Ring of Honor guy at that even if it was just that, even if at its core yeah. it was Jay Lethal was a longtime Ring of Honor guy. He was a former champion. There you go. Even at that level, it worked, with John, Jay Lethal being the final guy. Then you add in that he was Jonathan Gresham's rival for years. Yeah. It's a perfect story. Yes. So it actually works out better than beating Bandito. Yeah, absolutely. Because, for sure. You know, he beats the guy who was his his tag team partner, then his rival, then the guy he had to overcome to get to the next level. So I think this worked out very nicely for everybody involved. It might have been a little embarrassing for Jay Lethal to have to go back after, you know, we talked about it last week, but now there's an addition to that story. He said he flew to Baltimore when he found out they were closing so that he can get his contract terminated as quickly as possible before this glut of free agents hit the market so he would have a leg up. So he was like the first guy to fucking bounce out the door when he found out they were closing. Then he gives that. Uh, then he talks all that bullshit at the AEW presser. I'm a man, I'm a company man. I stay until the doors are closed, brother. And then we find out he's not even going to be <laughs> he in literally, the battle. The door was closing and he stuck his hand in so he could get in and say, let me out of my contract, please. Uh, <laughs> hold on now, brother. I want to, yeah. You know, so, you know, so there was that whole comedy aspect of it. And then he ends up on the show anyway, doing a job in the main event. So, um, that all came like full circle, but yeah, it was a good match. I didn't think it was a great match, but, um, yeah, now Gresham is kind of doing this deal where he, all these champions now, I guess, plan on taking these titles everywhere. We forgot about the Deanna Perrazzo angle with Roxy. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Completely glossed over that. Sorry. So yeah, I forgot about it too. So the, you know, she's going to bring the ring of honor women's title to impact and, uh, um, obviously the tag team titles with the Briscoes will probably end up on Dynamite at some point and GCW because they're working GCW shows. And now you have Gresham with the world title and he's doing this thing where he's like bitter about being world champion. He's like, no one ever respected the pure rules and the pure title. Well, now that I'm the world champion, I'm bringing pure to the world title, you know? So there's that whole, he kind of did a little heel turn there at the end. So yeah, look, I enjoyed this show. I, I mean, you know, and it just goes, you know, to show how far a cr- crowds mean to wrestling. And I know we all tried to pretend that they didn't, but could you imagine this show without a crowd? It would have just been not nearly as good as it was. And it was good to see ROH go out with a hot crowd of 1,600 people and some really good matches. There was nothing here I really disliked. 
Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed myself watching this show. Yeah, great show. I think production-wise, Ring of Honor has always been solid, and I think Ian and, and, and Caprice really became a great team over the last year or two. Uh, and it just kind of sucks that this this looks like it's going to be the end. But uh, Ian looks like he's right back on his feet. He's doing some New Japan stuff, and and yeah, he's any company would be smart to hire him as, as a commentator. Uh, and Caprice, I think it, it really, really uh, got good in the last couple of years as well. So um, I don't know. We'll see what, what the hell happens with the Ring of Honor uh, in the future. But uh, yeah, you definitely don't want to see them go away, because anytime a wrestling company uh, goes away, that's a lot of... A lot of people that don't have jobs anymore, so um, yeah, who knows? All right, um, let's do uh, this real quick. Let's give uh, some plugs to my bookie, Joe. They're sponsoring this episode of the flagship podcast as well. And when it comes to gambling, you always want to make sure, Joe, that you are getting your best bang for your buck, and that's why you should bet with my bookie. At my bookie, you can bet on all of your favorite sports with exclusive promotions, contests, and more to find your winning bet right now. When you make your first deposit with MyBookie, you'll instantly receive double your first deposit. If you put $75 in, they're going to put $75 in. If you put $20 in, they'll put $20 in. If you put $1,000 in, yes, up to $1,000, they're going to put $1,000 in as well. It's uh, very easy. All you have to do is go to MyBookie.ag, sign up and use the promo code VOICES, and MyBookie will double your first deposit instantly up to $1,000. Again, this promotion is only available for a limited time, so do not miss out. Head to mybookie.ag, use the promo code VOICES, and secure double deposit bonus today. Again, that's promo code VOICES, so you can double your funds to double your winnings. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie. Again, mybookie.ag, promo code VOICES to double that first deposit up to $1,000. Uh, this is a quick little topic, so we'll, we'll hit this one uh, fast. Kevin Owens, he's uh, re-signing with uh, Dota V. Uh, first reported by Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp. He is remaining with the company. Uh, his contract was set to expire January 2022. Uh, he uh, was on a show, or I think it was maybe on an interview. I forget exactly where it was, but he, he spoke with uh, Pat LaProd uh, and said, quote, I'll settle uh, for just saying that it still ends on January 31st, the contract he, he means here, but not 2022. I'm going to be around for several more years. The decision was pretty easy because it was really the best thing for my family. When it comes down to it, it's always a pretty easy decision. WWE has been my home for seven years, so I have a sense of belonging. Basically, I spent the majority of my career there. When you look at all the wrestling companies I've wrestled in, in WWE, that's where I've been the longest, and that's where I need to be for the next few years. That's how I felt, and that's the decision I made. So Kevin Owens resigning with WWE and saying there that he uh, plans to stick around for several more years. So I was very surprised by this. Um, I thought he would moonwalk into AEW at the first opportunity with all his buddies there and everything. And I thought that he, out of everybody in WWE, was the best fit for AEW with his promo ability and everything else. Um, So I was very surprised by this. And I was also disappointed. And for some reason... When it comes to wrestling. Yeah, can we talk about this? Because this is embarrassing. I'll set you up. So, for some reason in wrestling, it's not okay to say that. Like, in any other athletic, in in any other sport, okay, it's okay to be disappointed when, like, a free agent doesn't pick your team. Or a free agent goes to a team where you don't think they're a good fit. Or where you think it would be good for your maximum entertainment. Or whatever the case may be. Fans often express their disappointment when free agents make their decisions. That's not to say that they don't have the right to go wherever they want and sign wherever they want and do what they think is best for their career and all of that. But fans are emotional and they, you know, you, and everybody listening to this who's a sports fan, whatever team you root for, 
baseball, NBA, NFL, if you're in Europe and you follow the footy, you know, you lose a key player from your team to free agency or something. You have felt that disappointment. You may have even felt anger. It's not because you hate the person or anything like that. It's because there's a rooting interest there and you're disappointed that you've lost this person that you've either made a connection with as a fan or was good for your team or they're going to hurt your chances to win because they're not there anymore. But for whatever reason in wrestling, we have to do this weird dance where we're not allowed to say that we're disappointed that someone chose the company we didn't want them to choose or didn't end up in the company we wanted them to end up in. And you get finger wagged and chastised by these people who are like, well, you have to respect that he's doing. He has a family to think about. You need to respect that. How dare you be disappointed in someone's personal choice? Pump the brakes, will you? Okay. Kevin Owens' family is not top of mind for me. I'm sure he has a lovely family. And yes, he should do what's best for his family. But I'm a fan. Okay? His family is secondary to me. My entertainment is first to me. And I would have rather have seen him in AEW. I would have enjoyed his work in AEW. I'm I'm not going to enjoy anything he does in WWE. Because WWE fucking sucks. So why would I want to see Kevin Owens? I don't have to be happy that Kevin Owens made the best decision for his family. I'm glad he did. And I have nothing against him. I hear he's a great guy. He, he's a great family man. That's very obvious. But I don't have to be happy about that. Why do I have to be happy about that? Why can't I be disappointed that he didn't? And this doesn't just go for Kevin Owens. This goes because we went through this with Brian Danielson twice. Once where he did go back to WWE and once where he made the decision to go to AEW. And it was the same old bullshit then too. Right? Why can't people be disappointed? Why can't a WWE fan be disappointed that Brian Danielson chose AEW? Why can't I be disappointed that Kevin Owens chose WWE because now he's 39 years old. He's there for three more years. And this, and you know, effectively the rest of his prime is going to be spent in a place where I'm not going to enjoy anything he does. I haven't enjoyed a single thing Kevin Owens has done since the John Cena feud because the company fucking stinks and they waste him. And he's not used properly. And I'm allowed to feel that way. Right. I don't need to be finger wagged and told that I can't feel that way. That's nonsense. And that doesn't mean I want the worst for his family. Of course I want the best for him. <sighs> it's so weird. It's it's Why this weird top of mind. It's That's this not top of mind. It's this weird I don't know if it's like the the there's like this guilt that wrestlers are these destitute, unpaid. At the at the point of Kevin Owens' career, he's okay. You know what I mean? If if you're talking about a guy leaving the Indies to sign with WWE, I okay. Then we're we're maybe talking there. Okay, that's maybe a guy who's going from paycheck to paycheck or booking to booking to now getting guaranteed money. Yada yada yada. Okay, that's fine. We're talking about a guy who's probably looking at two million dollar plus contracts, right? Like two at least five figure contracts on both ends of the table. Yeah, it was reported as a two to three million dollar deal and two to three years in length. That's right. what we know. So, it. and whatever AEW was giving, I bet it was more than a thousand dollars in hot dogs. So, no, it, like he was not deciding between what was, you know, all right, kids, we can't eat, had, we can't he, eat next year because I wanted to go to AEW. <laughs> like, right. And he undoubtedly has seven figures in the bank already. For sure, he's, yeah, he's, he doesn't do what he just goes so, to Disneyland and, and plays around with his kids. Like he's, yeah, he's yeah. he's a smart man. So and we're I, doing I, this thing again where we're pretending he's going to starve if he doesn't. Right. Sign yeah. With so we need. 
need to stop doing that. Yeah, Birdie was going to starve if, if, if Brian because Danielson CM Punk is make, Because CM Punk is making 50 grand a year with AEW. Right, of course. He's just, he's just grabbing it. Tony's looking in his pocket. And, you know, hey, uh, here's a gift card. I'm sorry, man. I can't, uh, you know. Matt, Matt Hardy's working for 500 bucks a night. <laughs> right, right. That, yeah. You can't yeah and, and, and merch. And merch. Don't forget, and merch, Joe. They, they gets all their right. merch money. He can get back. But, uh, yeah, and there's also this. I, so I don't know if it's the complex of, like, we feel bad for wrestlers, so we want to pretend that they're all, like, poor and destitute and right on the edge of, 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 you know, poverty or that we're like, feel like we're friends with these guys and like, Oh, well, I care. I care about his family and you don't. And it's like, oh, okay, lose me with See, that. Get you out just of here. Hit on it. You know what it is? There's two aspects to this. Number one, we talk about this all the time. If you're a sports fan, you view these things differently than non-sports fans. Right. I don't, that's just the way it is. I, I when look, Kevin Durant signed with the Warriors, I was like, dude, Fuck off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I didn't care. Right. It's, it's a multi-millionaire. Yeah. I was just like, fuck you, dude. I'm gonna, I, I really wanted to watch you beat the Warriors, and now you're just joining them. You stink. Go away. And there were other people on the other side of the coin who wanted to see the super team. And it's okay for you to be disappointed with that decision and for the other person to be happy. Uh, Warriors fans, I'm sure, loved it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As well they should have. And that's our point. So there's that aspect. I think sports fans view these things differently. The other aspect is, and you nailed it right on the head, a lot of these people are just disingenuous assholes. What they want to do is they know if they play the, you need to be happy for him and his family. They know if they play that card, they have the high ground. Because what are you supposed to say back? I don't give a fuck about his dopey kids. No one's going to say that. And you're going to look like a jerk off if you do. So, they say that to have the high ground, have the moral high ground in the dis- in the discussion. Right? It's disingenuous bullshit, is what it is. These people don't care about Kevin Owens' family any more than you or I do. Like they probably have the same feelings about all these people's families. I hope everybody is happy and healthy, and and uh, and and has food on the table. But do you really care about these people's? I mean, you know. Th- it's not going to be your top consideration unless you know these people personally. So it's this bullshit dance that these people play. And then they, they make you feel like. Right. And, and, and it's okay if you want to be the like, oh, I care about his family or this is great for his family or whatever. And that's fine. You can say that, but you can't run down people's throat when they say, ah, you know, I really wish he went to AEW. God damn it. Think of his family. <laughs> you know, that yeah. stuff is just ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's absurd. It's embarrassing. Especially when the place he could have ended up with, he was going to make similarly huge money. Like you said, it's like, it, this is a real player in the fucking <laughs> right. game now, you know? So, yeah, I'm fucking disappointed. I, I would have greatly preferred sure. he ended up in AEW. I, Rich, I genuinely haven't given a shit about anything he's done since the John Cena. No, and, and I guess I won't give a shit anymore. Because how can you? Yeah. And I'm not going to care about anything he does for the next three years. Okay, because it, it, it's impossible to care about anything in that company the way it currently is. So yeah, I I wanted him in the other place, and I am disappointed about. I'm I don't have ill will towards Kevin Owens. No, I, yeah. I don't hate the man, I, but I'm allowed to be disappointed that he didn't land where I want. You're allowed to, to be a wrestling fan disappointed that a wrestler you enjoy is going to be in a company you don't enjoy. That's not exactly ridiculous to say, but somehow it is for some reason. So yeah, yeah. it's it's really sad. We need to stop doing it. It, it, it comes across really really pathetic. Yeah, it's 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 this weird dance. It's the only sport where this occurs. Um, it, it doesn't happen in any other sport. I mean, it, it just, it just doesn't. So, um, 
I don't know. It's it's fucking weird and it's dumb. But I guess the larger story here is WWE won one. They've been losing a lot of these battles. Mm-hmm. They lost on Punk. They lost on Brian Danielson. Um, they lost on Adam Cole. They're they going to lose this. on Gargano, it looks like. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, who knows with Gargano? Hey, they, they lost by him either going home. Even if he just goes home, they, they've lost on that. Yeah, I mean, he's name-dropping Kenny Omega and this and that. <laughs> he's but... doing the Kenny Omega interview thing. Uh, Kenny, uh, are you going to stay with New Japan? I don't know, but I'd really like to face Kota Ibushi and Tomori Ishii and yeah, Okada yeah. this year. Yeah, Gargano's like, uh, who do I want to face? Uh, I don't know. It'd be cool to face you know, Lee Moriarty and Kenny Omega. <laughs> and, like The three yeah. people he mentioned are all AEW contracted talent. It's like, oh, okay, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, but that could also be you know a leverage play. Sure, sure. Which he should do, which, which everybody should do. The best which Kevin Owens did. Yes, of course. Randy Orton did it. Remember Randy Orton took the picture in front of uh, uh, Tony Khan's Jaguars, or I think he, I think he was just at the Jaguars headquarters and just took a picture of Randy Orton's face next to a. Ja- it was just like a Jaguars placard or something like that. And he probably got an extra million dollars added in just by tweeting that picture out because he rules because he's so smart. And yet Kevin Owens playing along with the Easter eggs with the Bucks and planting all those hints all along, you know, and it's like they, these guys should play the sides against each other and make these leverage plays. And um, look, Kevin Owens, I could see why he would stay. I mean, um, you know, I, I don't look, I don't know if AEW made an offer I don't, and if they did, I don't know what they offered, you know, and it's possible that he didn't. He, that WWE just made a substantially bigger financial offer. Um, and maybe it was so substantial that it was just impossible for him to turn down. Yeah, or and it's maybe, possible he just wanted to stay in WWE. I mean, I, I, it's not impossible that a guy looks at that schedule and looks at that game and looks at and looks at, you know, and says, hey, you know what? This isn't the worst thing in the world. I come do my job, you know, really put bare minimum effort. And that's kind of what he's done over the last few years. And, and you know, after putting in years of, of real high effort, like, it's not the worst gig in the world. Like I'm not going to enjoy anything about it. And, and there might be times where he gets frustrated, but he might be past that point. Now he might be just a cash check point of his career, which you know what? Hey, it's not a bad or place to go. If you're cashing checks, maybe his kid likes watching him wrestle there. And if the money and all things are equal that he wants to make the kid happy, who knows? Um, again, it's not, this isn't about having animosity towards someone or, or deciding someone's an asshole if they don't do what you want them to do. But it's okay to feel disappointed and it's, it's bullshit that people tell you that that's like, that like you're out of line or you're morally inferior because, you know, because you, you, you're disappointed at these kinds of decisions. But again, Rich, I, I really do believe that it comes from, I think sports fans understand this more than people who aren't sports fans because sports fans go through this stuff all the time. And, um, you know, it, it's 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 just commonplace. It's just it, it it it's the same thing with injuries. Like sports fans, I think are used to just you know athletes getting injured and and missing time. And I think non sports fans take wrestling injuries a little differently than sports fans do. And I think they're more apt to be safety nerds when it comes. You know you know what I mean. Like I think that's where it also plays in. Right. It, it relates a lot to like we always talk about we came into wrestling from sports and a lot of people yes. did and that's the but like some people attribute it to just like you decide to you know go onto this TV show versus this TV show and they don't understand why fan why why people would say ah you know what I really wish you like you know I I think it's that like if a, if a, if an actor chose to be on this TV show instead of this TV show 
yeah. that it's like, oh, well, you know what, whatever. It's good for, you know, it's good for his family or, you know, it's whatever. And, like, sports fans are just like, no, fuck that. I want him on my team. Like, you know, like, I want right. him to help my right. team because my team's yeah. good and I like my team. So I wanted him because he's a good player. You know, it, it's to us, it's second nature to be upset and annoyed that a guy chooses another place. But I, I, well, I don't like know. you're saying, you didn't like the Kevin Durant fit on the Warriors because you didn't find that as interesting as if he had chosen another team to go against the Warriors. That see, you weren't even approaching that from the aspect. You weren't a fan. Of no, it's just X-team. pure, pure, like you know, even cooler. So yeah, thinking. narrative, cooler control. I wanted him to control the narrative, Joe. And that's the situation here with Kevin Owens. I think a more interesting fit would have been if he jumped, and that's why it's disappointing to me. When the Miz's contract came up, I wasn't disappointed that he resigned with WWE. I, you know, I didn't care because I think that's a better fit for him, honestly. And I didn't want to see him somewhere else. But I thought, like you thought Durant would have been a better fit somewhere else. I think Kevin Owens would have been a much better fit in AEW. And as a fan, I would have much preferred to watch him there. And it's disappointing that he made that choice. I'm disappointed with his choice. And and I, I don't understand why that's invalid or or something that's immoral. It doesn't I, – I that doesn't compute with me. So – um Man, but every time there's a big free agent, we do the same so dance. Dorky. And we're going to do it with Gargano, too. No matter what he chooses, we're going to do the same dance with Gargano. Um, and again, I hope Gargano jumps. I think there's far more interesting prospects for him in AEW. There's great callbacks they can do. There's stuff that, that will be fresh. Rather than go back to, to Rainbow Raw and muck it up with these green wrestlers and just do more comedy and been there, done that. We've seen that for six years. I'd rather see him do something different. So, um, but it'll, you know, we'll do it again. We did it with Danielson. We did it with this guy. We'll do it with Gargano. People will sit there and go think of his uh, unborn child. And, you know, like he's going to go to AEW. Like AEW is going to pay him, you know. Canned beans. Yeah, here you go. All right, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> here's, right. here's 10 canned beans. Decide who wants them. That's how, that's how the AEW locker room is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, he'll have to figure out, like, what's more important. You know, um, maybe – you know, he doesn't want to move or maybe he just doesn't want to sign with anyone. And maybe he wants to spend time with his baby for a fucking year before he signs with anyone. I mean, that's a possibility too with him. And maybe he'll just do indie shots, you know, uh, on weekends. I don't know what's going to happen with Gargano. I don't have a feel for it. I thought Kevin Owens was a lock for AEW. I, I always, I, I, I always had this thing in my back of my head that I felt like he feels happy in WWE. Like that to me, like he feels like he's accomplished everything he wants. And he always talks about how he was such a huge WWE fan his entire life or whatever. He, yeah. he struck me as a guy who, who does seem genuinely happy with being in that company. And, and I thought, I don't know if that was just kind of a leverage play or, you know, just kind of, but yeah, it, as we see now, it, it probably was where he wants to be. And he seemed to make that pretty clear. I could see Gargano going either way. I mean, um, you know, it, you know, it's it's, and his wife, you know, is obviously still employed by them, so that's going to be a factor. So uh, I don't know, but again, I won't be interested if he resigns with WWE. I don't really have any interest. Yeah, in that. no, no. I mean, um, under the way it's currently constructed, I mean, it's just a shame that you know we lose three more years of Kevin Owens. Now he'll be in his forties when the next deal comes up. Uh, so who knows how much longer, you know, he, he could even do it at a high level. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's, you know, 
Honestly, though, since the Cena feud, what has he done that's been remarkable? Oh, yeah. I, 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 and that's no fault of him. I'm no, no. He used to be one of my favorite wrestlers in the world, a guy that I really, really look forward to. But, yeah, I can't. I, I don't know. Yeah, no. Nothing, really. There's nothing there. I mean, they did the universal title thing where Triple H helped them win it. Remember how bad that was? And oh, my he, God. You're right. Yeah. They, like, he put, didn't he? He pedigreed Seth Rollins onto a chair and then told Kevin to like pin him, and then Kevin did. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, all right. We totally cool. shit on that. When they did it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What a push for. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, he he's another guy in my view who I love as a performer who I can't possibly enjoy. I mean, you know, because of that environment. So, yeah, I was annoyed by that choice, but um. You know, good for him, I guess. All right, let's uh, get to uh, New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling. Uh, we have uh, the World Tag League Best of the Super Junior Finals. Uh, I watched both of them. Uh, Joe, did you see both of these matches as well? I saw the whole show. So. You saw the whole show. So you can. T- do you want to talk about the whole show before we get to uh, the finals? I mean... I, I did not watch them, so you can... Uh... We can blow through it. I don't have extended thoughts. Um let me pull it up unless you want to pitch it to me. Let me uh, see. Let me do that. Up. Let's. I can There's get it. There's a lot of angles on the show. All right, I can get to it real quick. All right. Suzuki Gun, Duki, Minoru Suzuki, Takamichinoku versus Fujita, Taguchi, and Yuta Nakashima. Yeah, so the big story there was that was Taka's first win of the tour because they went 0 and 11 in the tournament. So. Um, he didn't get the. He didn't get the fall, though. He didn't get the fall, though. Uh, uh, Dukai scored the fall in this match. So, um, I will say though, I got a mention during this match on the broadcast. I heard that. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, uh, who was who it exhibiting Charlton. dumb jock uh, energy here? Yeah. Chris Charlton said that Yuto Nakashima was exhibiting as our old pal, Joe Lanza would say jock energy. So, uh, and Nakashima was in fact exhibiting jock energy as he was throwing forearms at Minoru Suzuki. Nakashima has something. Uh, Nakashima and I guess we'll move on to the next match. Oiwa, who teamed with Tiger Mask. Um, he's gotten to the point where they're letting him grow his hair out and they lost to uh, Phantasmo Ishimori. Yeah, Phantasmo Ishimori, yeah. But Oiwa and Chris Charlton brought this up and now I cannot unsee it and neither will you. He looks like a young Go Shiozaki. Hmm, okay. And now I can't let go of it. He looks exactly like Goshiozaki. It's like uncanny. I'll have to watch this I'll have to watch um, this match on this show and see cuz We're talking when he hair. had the long when he had the long hair and he was a little bulky and Well, or old, yeah. younger than that. Yeah, yeah, like young boy Goshiozaki okay. looks like. He um because he's about the same height and he's got the same face and now that he has hair, it's like, "Oh my god, he does look like Goshiozaki." So he o- Oiwa, I think, has can is going to have the right look for the company, but Nakashima has the intensity to the work that Oiwa doesn't have yet. That's how I would compare those okay. two at uh at this stage. And I don't have a great feel for Fujita yet. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm indifferent on Fujita right now. Um, I don't have a great feel for. Him. He's like Nakashima. nineteen. He's like nineteen to be fair. So there's plenty of time. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was, uh, that tag Phantasmo and Ishimori. And then what they, they did, what they did was they, um, no, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. They set up the, uh, they attacked Tiger Mask after the match and Robbie Eagles made the save. 
because Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask are the junior tag champs. So uh, they were getting the boots put to him, and Taguchi made the save. So Taguchi came out and ran off Bullet Club, but then Taguchi attacked Tiger Mask and Eagles with the ass thrust. And for a minute, I thought Taguchi was joining Bullet Club, and I'm like, this company has completely jumped the shark if Taguchi is joining Bullet Club. But he did not. He then just started screaming. He did the belt. He did the belt motion over the waist, you know, the, the old belt motion. And then he was talking about Rocky. So we're getting that's how they set up the three way junior tag title match for Tokyo Dome. So that was the angle. Uh, then we had a uh, eight man tag: uh, Desperado, Taichi, Kanemaru, Zack Saber Jr. Uh, versus Makabe, Hanma, Wato, and Yano. Uh, Makabe bump count. Zero. I was gonna say, <laughs> but if you're giving, if you're over under on zero point five, I am hitting that under. Yeah. Did he even tag yeah. in, or because that's a, yeah, another classic a- thing? Okay. Did he tag in two shoulder blocks, tag out type of thing? Oh, he got in there. Yeah, okay. He got in there. He uh, he didn't leave his feet. <laughs> I love that man. Yeah. Work smarter, not harder. I think uh, uh, Chris Sampson was uh, tweeting some stuff out. I think he, his his actual in ring time for the World Tag League was like pretty small as well. Yeah. So. Tagging in once for the finish, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So next match here was uh, Tanahashi, uh, Tenzan, Kojima, and Nagata versus Bad Luck Folly, Chase Owens, Tamatanga, and Tangaloa. The match doesn't matter. Um, after the match, Kenta came on the video board, and it's going to be Kenta and Tanahashi at the Dome, and no DQ. So Kenta challenged Tanahashi, no DQ, and then Tanahashi immediately did a promo to accept because he's fucking Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah, of course he's going to accept that. Yeah. You think he's going to mull it? Yeah. Uh, Let me think about it. Yeah. Awesome. I'll talk about that match here in a bit. Uh, And then we move to uh, Sonata and Naito versus Okan and Jeff Cobb. Sonata and Naito getting the win. Yes. LIJ is going to be linked up with uh, United Empire throughout the Wrestle Kingdom shows. And we'll get that get to that in a minute. Yep. And then uh, Okada and Robbie Eagles, uh, they defeat Bushi and Shingo. So Yeah, so Okada and Shingo did their little stare down. You know, so you've seen it all before. For sure. And we get to our finals, so great. I'm glad we recapped all that on the rest of the card. <laughs> Sounds hey, exciting. Sounds like something I couldn't, I should not have missed. But uh... You know what? It, look, it wasn't anything great or even good, but... Because they did angle a lot of angles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was an it important. Was an easy watch. Yeah, it was, it was somewhat yeah. important. But uh, all right. Uh, then we had our two uh, finals here: the World Tag League Finals. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi do it. They defeat the House of Torture, Evil, in Yujiro Takahashi. Nineteen minutes and fifty-two seconds. But boy, oh boy, did this feel like it went on forever. Um, man, I don't know what to say about this match. Yeah, and I mean. Togo yanks the ref, and then he comes in with a chair. I mean, there was literally like seven times the ref got bumped or almost bumped, or Togo came in, or Togo was choking somebody. It was just like... And then Ishii runs off Togo, and um, I don't know. It's Yujiro, I, the one, Yujiro tried to do the low blow, but he got Yoshihashi outsmarted him and grabbed the arm, and it's just, I just want to watch guys wrestle, and, and one yeah. team be better than the other. I don't know. I'm sorry. That's... Kind of what house I want to do. House of Torture is a problem. They, house of Torture stink. is a big problem. Yeah. And we got a big report behind the paywall. Get on the $5 tier. Um, you know, we explain, you know, what went on and, and, and how these decisions were made in both this match and the final. And 
uh, all of the everything I reported in terms of what was going to happen at Wrestle Kingdom then was announced the next day. So um, excellent sourcing there. But um, yeah, it's, you know, Togo continues to be a major influence in the office and he's part of this house of torture and he believes in Western heat and you're not going to see less of it. You're going to see more of it. In fact, if you read my report behind the paywall, a lot of it, there was going to be more somehow, (laughs) somehow, some way there was going to be more. And that happens every major show. A lot of it gets lobbied out because a lot of the wrestlers aren't really happy. Like show deals with it because he's getting a push. He doesn't love it. And he talks his way out of a lot of it. But he deals with it because he's getting pushed and he likes getting pushed. He didn't want to be Rapongi 3K did they were as frustrated with that team as the fans were. They didn't want it. They both want pushes. So Show is just happy he's getting a push. A lot of the Hiromu was irate when he found out what was going to happen in his match and he tried to lobby his way out and, and he lost the battle. Shingo has talked his way out of a lot of these kinds of spots. So it's not just fans that are frustrated. But uh, $5 tier, you can read all about it. Yep. And then we had our uh, Best of the Super Junior Final, uh, Hiromu Takahashi versus Yo. So a big spot for Yo, his first kind of big-time main event. Maybe his first singles main event ever. I think I, it probably uh, had to be, at least in, in, in a big-time spot here uh, in Sumo Hall. Um, I like this match, but Joe, it went 38 minutes and 30 seconds, and it just did not need to go 38 minutes and 30 seconds. And this, Well, I didn't need Yo cutting a promo. Yeah, what are we doing? Well, I just explained. Ah, it. Togo, it fucking, Togo, it fucking sucks. <laughs> fucking, hey. uh, he's making me. I now I hate Michinoku Pro. You know, I went. I, 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 I'm on this. Uh, you know, this Plex server that's got a bunch of wrestling, and I, I just I'll put I'll hit randomize a bunch. And the other day, some awesome Kaiantai DX, you know, came up, and I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. And then fucking Dick Togo got in there, and I got mad. I, got, I was like, fuck this guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's making. I love Dick Togo. He's such a great wrestler. <laughs> Yeah. But I, I see him on my screen when I know he's going to be great. I know the match is going to rock because most of those matches rock. Those Michinoku Pro peaks. Dick Togo fucking rocks. But I just see that dude's face and I'm just like, fuck you. What are you doing? Yeah. Stop. I mean, he, I mean, I can't disagree. I mean, he's kind of hurting his legacy with me too. But um, eat shit, Cuba, Bolivia. But um, <laughs> leave it to a commie. But, uh, you know, it. it it, it's too, you know, show comes out and beats both guys up and then, then cuts a promo. Ugh. And it's like, we don't need this. We don't, we don't need this. And then it goes almost 40 minutes and the work was really good. And it's a shame. It probably would have been a great match without that. Cause it was almost a great match with it, but no. And Hiromu wins best as super juniors. Yep. Hiromu wins it. Get into it, baby. All right. So Hiromu yeah. is your champion. We got, we got Wrestle Kingdom cards. Joe, Wrestle Kingdom is right around the corner here. January 4th, January 5th. Uh, January 4th starts out, uh, main evented Shingo Takagi versus Okada, World Heavyweight Championship. Got to get excited for that, at least. It's Okada versus I'm Shingo. sure it'll be a great match. Can I? Here's the thing, though. We're going to have muted crowds yeah. again. And can I just run down what muted crowds have ruined in New Japan since they uh, Sure, go ahead. Tetsuya Naito's tense pole title run after his big win. Kota Ibushi's first title win. Will Ospreay's first title win. Um, Shingo, Shingo's first title win. The return of Katsuyori Shibata is going to be ruined with fans that can't be audible. Um, I had a whole list. But those are some huge, huge events that have just been torn away from us and will not have the impact that they would have had 
because of this COVID bullshit. And it really is a shame. This will be what? Three Wrestle Kingdoms? No, two. Two Wrestle... Second or third? 2020, 2021. No, not 2020. 2021 and 2020. So this will be the second Wrestle Kingdom with clap crowds. Two Two G1s have been taken away with clap crowds. And all of the other stuff I noted. First time title wins for Osprey, Ibushi, and Shingo. Tetsuya Naito's, uh, what should have been his 10th pole title reign. We were robbed of that. And now Shibata is going to come back to pro wrestling on January 4th to a clap crowd as well. Plus two G1s and two Wrestle Kingdoms. It's a shame. It has sucked the life out of this company. Well, that's depressing as hell. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, for that, uh, yes, Takagi and Okada, main event for January 4th. Uh, junior heavyweight title, Desperado defending the title against Hiromu Takahashi. Yeah, it's I think it's like any match you see that looks like, oh, that's going to... And then you remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think oh, one, of the, and- one of the big things, too, is the New Japan working style hasn't really a- adapted to Not it as all. well. Where Noah, they just lay into each other and beat the fuck out of each other. Uh, all Japan, to a lesser extent, I, I think is able to kind of adapt their style to it. Uh, Dragon Gate, I think, has done a good job adapting the style. In New Japan, and I, I felt it in that uh, in, in the um, uh, the Best of the Super Junior Final, is Hiromu and Yo are like doing an exchange of holds and reversals of reversals of reversals. And they do like 10 straight reversals of reversals. And I'm thinking, man, yeah, that would be real hot in front of a, a, a hot crowd that can make noise and cheer and cheer for their favorites and, and pop or whatever. But in front of a crowd that's just going, you know... Trying to do that as quick as possible while you're doing reversals, it just was like, yeah, I don't know, guys. Maybe that's not the best spot to do in front of a crowd that can't make any noise. And I don't, I think company wide, they have not figured it out yet. And it's like it's two fucking years now, man. Like, I don't know, figure it out. Maybe, maybe 15 minute matches that are hard hitting is the way to go instead of 38 minute back and forth epics. I, I don't know, maybe adjust something here. But I hear you. They're not. I, I, they're not I going don't to. So. How excited would we be? All right, look, we don't like the title turmoil bullshit. That they're doing again. We don't co-sign that. Never liked it, by the way, for the record. Go back and listen to the show. But just in terms of the matches that are going to happen, how excited would we have been for Shingo, Okada, and Will Ospreay to have this little mini tournament? I mean, the matches are going to be incredible. But the fact that we're going to have 5,000 people in this giant dome, like that atmosphere was horrendous last year. Oh, I forgot one other thing that that is going to be robbed from us. <laughs> Wrestle <Black> Kingdom. <laughs> No, two Wrestle Kingdoms, but one other one thing I forgot entirely: New Japan versus Noah, which is going to happen. Oh right, yeah, badass, a badass joint show that we haven't had in years. In in, in, in years, yeah. and we're going to have to suffer through shitty crowd in a big empty building with that as well. You now, so add it to the list. So anyway, what else is on this show, Rich? <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to be positive about New Japan. I'm trying, Joe, but it's uh it's not working. Anyway, Desperado Hiromu, uh Mortal Lock that Hiromu wins that title for Mount Despi. That's a uh, lock it in for sure here. Uh IWGP tag team titles, Dangerous Techers versus Goto and Yoshihashi. Listen, at least they're doing something with Goto, I guess, because they haven't done anything with him in in ages outside of that those never titles, so uh, then we have Tomohiro Ishii getting a big-time singles match here on January 4th, Russell Kingdom. He is defending the Never Openweight Championship against House of Torture member Evil. How long have we been waiting for an Ishii singles match at Russell Kingdom? <laughs> How long? <laughs> Ten years. 
every year he's either in I know. the Rambo. And we're like, one year it's going to do it. One year it's going to happen. Or a Never Gauntlet. Yeah. Or a Six, six Man, man. Tag. He's in the Six Man Tag, yeah. And he finally gets a – he's a champion. <laughs> he's finally a champion headed into a Wrestle Kingdom. And he's in there with fucking evil. This is so frustrating. Oh, God. Uh, Katsuri Shibata, he is coming back. He is going to be wrestling the always dangerous TBA. So um... so what do you think they're doing? Are you think they're keeping this warm in case Kota Ibushi can make it back? Because if you, if you don't have... If so Ibushi... is Ibushi the play here? I don't know. So I can tell you that they're hoping he's cleared in time for Wrestle Kingdom. But the only open spot... Would be match. there, yeah. He wouldn't be a Rambo guy, so maybe they're keeping this warm for Abushi. But if he can't do it, you have a lot of options. Minoru Suzuki. There's other people you can throw in there. Um, so I, I, I don't know, but this is not going to be a grappling exhibition. He's back in front of five thousand people yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, it's a wrestling match, so he's back. So it's awesome. He's back. Yep. Um, very excited to see who, who the opponent is, but like you said, yeah, it will be uh, temper your expectations because it'll be in front of a clap crowd. But uh, they should just say fuck it and just make noise. It's Katsuri Shibata coming back. You know what I mean? So why don't they just do Kenta? I mean, I, you could figure out something else to do with Tanahashi. And it's like, what are they saving the Kenta match? Yeah, and, and Kenta's Kenta, in a right? really weird spot, too, because he is uh, – we'll, we'll talk about what he's doing. He, well, he's teaming with Taiji Shimori and El Phantasmo against Tanahashi, Rocky Romero, and Rusuke Taguchi. So, yeah, that seems – but that's to set up the U.S. title. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I don't know. So I guess maybe Shibata, maybe they're doing, is it like they're trying to get someone from the U.S., like a trainee or something like that? Are they trying to get a Carl Fredericks? Are they trying to get a a New Japan Dojo guy? I don't know. I have no idea what that TBA means. My gut is telling me they want it to be Kota Ibushi. If you read my report behind the paywall, the only reason they haven't announced, they don't want to announce Ibushi until it's 100% clear. Sure, which is, is hap- a good thing to do then instead of say, oh, he's on the show and then take him off again. Right, and he hasn't been 100% cleared. I think they want it to be Ibushi, but you have a fallback plan because, you know, Minoru Suzuki will be in the building uh, and he doesn't have a match. You can pull him from the dopey Rambo and just stick him in there, and that'll be a suitable match. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's some other, you know, you like you're saying, maybe one of his students, you could play that angle. You can do an outsider, especially if you're working closely with Noah. But my feeling, and I don't know, I don't know this, but my feeling is that they want it to be Kota Ibushi, but we'll see. Uh, then we have Naito, Sonata, and Bushi versus uh, Will Ospreay, uh, Jeff Cobb, Great Okan, obviously building up to the next night. Uh, some yeah. stuff there. And then uh, Tanahashi, as we mentioned, Tanahashi Romero, Toguchi, we did that one. Yo versus Show. Mm-hmm. So big time Little singles title. match there. Yeah. Just a match, which New Japan doesn't do enough of, particularly with juniors. When do juniors just get singles matches that aren't for the title? I know. I love it. I'm glad they should do it more. Because yeah, it, it, it's well uh, well earned for these guys as well, uh, and then obviously the Rambo. So got yeah. that on January fourth. And uh, then real quickly, because we're getting a little low on time here, uh, January fifth. We'll obviously preview this in excruciating detail, you know, before it, it, the the actual shows sure. themselves. Uh, World uh, Championship Takagi defending the title against either Okada or sorry Takagi or Okada versus Will Ospreay. Obviously, whoever wins that uh, January fourth will go on so and face Will Ospreay. It's got to be Okada. It's right? going to be Okada. Yeah, Okada Ospreay is the story, and right. you're going to want Okada to work. Uh, both knights, not not Shingo. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, U.S. title uh, Tanahashi versus Kenta. No DQ. No DQ as well. Uh, Naito versus Jeff Cobb. Not the best spot for Naito. No, nah, I was going to say that's a kind of a nothing, but. But again, COVID ruined his year. 
Mm-hmm. He got his big win last year, and then his title reign was ruined. In 2020, rather. Two years ago, not. yeah. Time is yeah. a flat circle in, in, in the COVID age, but yeah, two years ago. Uh, Sonata versus Great Ocon. Jeez, I like Great Ocon, but I'm not looking forward to a Sonata-Great Ocon singles match, but uh, I don't know. Ugh. House of Torture, Evil Show in Yujiro versus Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, and Yo. As reported behind the paywall before it was announced. Yep. KOPW four-way, all to be announced. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, the Korkins are going to set that up. Yeah. There's Including like a Yano versus nice or something yeah. or whatever. The Yano fuck. versus Kanemaru in a in a drinking. They have to take a a, a shot every two minutes, and the idea is who can withstand getting drunk the longest i'm not making any of this yeah up. that's all real and i'm honestly not that upset it sounds actually kind of awesome but it also is like i just really want my new japan to just be guys wrestling again yeah. but it is what it is a uh, stardom showcase match joe mayo iwatani and starlight kid versus tam nakano and saya kamatani big oh, spot here not a pre-show this is on the show itself right i i'm not sure okay i don't know either i i the way i read it is it looks like it's on the show itself but um I could be wrong, I guess. We'll, we'll find out uh, as we get closer. Uh, and then junior tag team titles here. Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask versus Rocky Romero and Rusuke Taguchi versus El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori. Uh, Classic three-way. <laughs> gotta do it. That's the Wrestle Kingdom tradition. <laughs> it's a three-way uh, junior tag titles. And then uh, we should note here that tomorrow, or as of this recording, uh, it'll be on the Friday uh, after the recording, there is going to be a press conference with New Japan and Noah. Actually, by the time most of the you people listen to this, it will probably be uh, already you people. you people, you you garbage non ten dollar people. Uh, there'll be a press conference between New Japan and Noah, and um, presumably they'll announce the card at, for the January eighth joint show. But um, yeah, we'll talk about that next week. Yep. So we'll see which way they go. Again, I had a big report on this behind the paywall as well. Last I heard. It was still up in the air whether we were going to get some big time singles matches, which were going to, you know, politically is tricky. Yeah, or they're going to be cowards. They're going to be cowards, aren't they? Yeah, but I mean, either way, it'll be cool. But I think everyone would rather see the singles matches, if for nothing else, to see what the booking decisions are. So we'll find out in a couple hours, and we'll talk about it next week. So. Absolutely. Yep. And that is it for the flagship. So, uh, again, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, flagship patreon.com. A lot of great stuff up there. The uh, winter is coming instant reaction. Uh, the retro shows we're doing, the news report that uh, Joe was talking about with New Japan, that's all there. Uh, future Thursday TV reviews, all that other stuff's going to be up there at uh, patreon.com uh, slash voices of wrestling or flagship patreon.com, whichever way uh, you want to go. But uh, that is it. So, uh, anyway, that's it for us. For Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Grach. We'll talk to you next time on the flagship podcast. Take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.